that'll be a funny sound clip because I just lost you and I was like, uh, hello. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 114 of the No Podcast. We are No Outside Food or Drink, the Southeast premier video game podcast. Tonight, uh, Xbox has detailed backwards compatibility on their new Series X. There was a PlayStation 5 reveal event. We have your April MPD numbers, even though it's June uh, 12th at this point. Um, Star Wars Squadrons has leaked. Uh, The Destiny roadmap has been revealed. Upcoming Destiny news. And uh, WB Games might be for sale in the near future. I'm Richard Bergman. That was kind of sloppy. It's been a while. Joined tonight by Cesar Concepcion II. Um, no, I'm still still here, still alive. We're, we're all still alive. We're, we're making it. In troubled times, we've, uh, we've still been working from home. How's that going for you besides uh, increased workload? Pretty busy. Yeah, same here. I've never been busier. Yeah, and uh, going in and out of the office and then coming back and working at home is uh, added a whole new level of difficulty. But mm-hmm. you have to go in every day of the week, or just like one or two, or how's that break down? Uh, just when I need to go in there because I have to replace equipment, and so uh, I just have to make sure. I mean, my boss is pretty much laid out the line saying if I need to go in every day to get my job done, then I need to go in every day. But if I was smart, I would just schedule everything on the same day, and that's what I've been doing. Yeah as best i can it's just yep. sometimes some people were like i can't make it friday i can only do tuesday and i was like all right i'll be here tuesday i gotta get it done it is what yeah. it is we're doing a day a week to try to schedule every you know every physical thing that i have to put my hands on for that specific uh for that day you know the rest of the stuff i can do remotely so whatever i have to be in person there to do which is not a whole lot as it, as it turns out but we've been dealing with that, and then uh, in the past couple weeks, there's been uh, a resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement. I think this was a long time coming, and and something that that needed to be brought to the forefront. Um, we obviously hate that the catalyst was a, a man losing his life in Minneapolis, but that was just a, another highlight of the the cruelty and and stuff that's been going on for years and years, for as long as we've been alive, sir. Even longer. Yeah, longer than that. And we're in the South, so that even traditionally has its own challenges. Um, it's kind of a hard topic to speak on. Uh, I'm, I'm a white male for listeners that, that aren't aware. But uh, this, has been, this has been time for you know, education and reflection, and there's so many resources out there now. Uh, I'm a parent, too, for listeners that know. And so you know, a hard bit of that has been having these conversations with my kids and and teaching them that there's things that they may not encounter, but that doesn't mean they don't exist, you know. And thinking about instances where I didn't understand growing up why there was, you know, like a, a African-American book section in Walmart and and uh, why is there a BET channel and, and things like that where if it weren't for these outlets, those voices wouldn't have been there, you know. And uh, it's not so much... Um, you know, an exclusive club or anything. It's it's trying to highlight those voices, and uh, it seems like a lot of progress has been made in our in our nation in the past couple of weeks due to that. You've you've had uh, universities changing names of schools, and um, statues are coming down that are reminders of of hate and history. Um, you know, we're both sports fanatics. There's no more Confederate battle flags at NASCAR. Which how was that still a thing? 
Or how we have a, a team in Washington that's named after Native Americans. That too. That too. And a negative light. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Uh, I'm kind of concerned about our uh, our hometown Atlanta Braves. The name Braves is actually a reference to a like a um, I can't remember the story. I went to the museum a long time ago, but it's like a judiciary branch that was they were called the Braves. But our team has adopted the Native American you know feather and symbolism and tomahawk and things like that. So there may be a time of change for that too. Uh, they already kind of toned down the tomahawk chant last year at the at the stadium. But as I was saying before, uh, we can't speak a lot on that firsthand. It feels like uh, one of the resources I've turned to as a dad is NPR has a great article uh, called, and there's something in the way, uh, How White Parents Can Talk to Their Kids About Race. And there's a 10-minute listen. There's a little podcast blip for anybody out there that, that might be struggling uh, like I did with that, like how do we present this to to kids who haven't encountered this before? But uh, a big part of that is is helping them understand that that other people do encounter that. So, but we've seen people out there, you know, I registered to vote. There's people marching. There's um, nonviolent protests everywhere. So people are getting at it, and people are speaking. It's going to be key. Voting is going to be the, the biggest key. Voting is big. Biggest catalyst for change. I mean, yep. what we got going on now is a big catalyst, but voting will seal that off. Make your voice heard. And the other, uh, the other thing that uh, kind of overlapped into our game gaming realm, I think it was called itch.io. Am I saying that right? Yeah. They're doing a they're doing a fundraiser of sorts. It's like it's like fourteen hundred games or something like that for five dollars. Keeps growing and growing. Yeah, I think it I, does. I think I end up giving like twenty bucks or something. Like that. I don't remember how much I gave. I've bought uh, two sets for other people also to just give them the give them the codes and make the donation. Uh, it is called the Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality. Um, it is they had a they had a value on here at some point. Oh, it's one thousand six hundred fifty eight items. They're all DRM free. They're not tied to Steam or Origin or anything like that. They're asking five dollars, but you can give more than that. And Cesar, you said you gave twenty. I bought three separate sets of codes for people. Um, and if you value all that out, it's $9,200. So uh, it goes to a good cause, and it's a good gaming value as well for, for our gaming community. But we took we were off two weeks ago for, for work purposes, and then we took off last week because there were just so many other voices out there that, that needed to be heard. I put that in our post. And, um, and those voices are getting out there, and... and Honestly, between me and you, dude, I, I love talking games more than more than anybody. I mean, that's why we're doing this, right? And it just uh, was not in the headspace. I'm I'm really still not now. I'm just saying, hey, we need to put something out there. We've got people still listening to the last episode, so those numbers are growing up. But you know, we, we do have people who do listen to us, and and I, I wanted to make sure we put our we put our stance out there, and then we made another week of content and and uh, try to get back on track. Anything you want to add? No, I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, I, I mean, the only thing is, like you said, it's like me and you are. We'll never, we'll never know. We'll never experience what uh, they have in the black community have experienced. So yeah. we'll never know. We're not, not even compare. So don't have instances where people, you know, get pulled over and they question whether they own the car or not. And there's just, there's, 
there's things like that that I've had these these firsthand stories people tell me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. man, that doesn't even cross my mind. It's, it's, that's been a big part of my education with this is is uh, is realizing that I have not had to encounter these challenges and and they do exist for many millions of people out there. Oh yeah. So I think especially with our podcast here and our fandom and our our fans, we all like to stand together with this movement and uh, and say that that Black Lives Matter. That's it's important. I agree. All right, so how do we transition from that to Xbox backwards compatibility news? Carefully. I think you just kind of did what I was just, going with. It's hard, man. These, these conversations are tough. And, and we talked about in pre-production, like, all right, how are we going to put this out there? I was like, I think we should just speak from the heart and go from there. And, and, uh, and that'll be us. That's our representation. But sir, please tell me about those old Xbox games on your Xbox Series X. On the future one that I may or may not buy? <laughs> yeah, I'm on the fence because uh, we're going to talk about the PlayStation stuff here in a little while, but the, it seems like the, the battle lines are not really graphics or anything. It's more the concept of generations, you know? Where can you play what? That seems like how they're they're lining up things. And uh, until Xbox really just knocks the house down, I'm gonna be pretty happy with my uh, my One X. I think for a couple of years. I mean, we got a we have a show in July, and just, there is. But it's like you said, they have promised uh, cross-gen compatibility for the first couple of years, so it's not really. They're not really making a case outside of maybe I'm curious on the backwards compatibility outside because of uh, the the huge enhancements that they're gonna listen that we're gonna talk about here that you get. Uh. This article comes from Forbes. I gotta redo this because apparently Drive doesn't want to open uh, tab. Uh, no, you're good. I got you. Uh, Forbes is reporting this was it was from an Xbox Wire blog post, but the Xbox Series X will be the most compatible console in history, according to Microsoft. There will be thousands of titles available to play at launch, spanning the original Xbox 360 and Xbox One, as well as well, what is they say Xbox Series X games, but what exactly is an Xbox Series X game? You know. Uh, the company spent over 100,000 hours playtesting backwards compatible titles and will will have spent over 200,000 by launch. Uh, the big takeaways that Forbes notes is not only games but accessories from past consoles like gamepads will be backward compatible on Xbox Series X. I had not seen that. That's that's pretty big. Uh, another one that, that really stood out for me and you, I know the console will be able to add HDR to older titles that were created before HDR was possible. And that's just on a system level. Like it's just going to it's going to overlap HDR somehow. Honestly, I know this is going to be it's going to be 90%, 95% amazing, right? But for the times when that goes crazy and just totally glitches out, I hope there's good capture and, and good videos of that cuz there's going to be some wonky shit, you know. There's going to be some some weird textures and uh do you remember on our Gears 5 playthrough when you could you, I could zoom in, I got stuck on the wall and you could like see through the person's it was just teeth flapping. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's one of my favorite moments, man. But that that makes games for me. There's people that call that performance issues and things like that, but that me and you just start laughing. And that was one of my game. That was my game of the year last year. It's always going to be that uh that jank is going to be there at some point. Yeah, that that process is not going to be. Hey, we might be surprised, man. That backwards compatibility has been pretty spot on. There's been little to no issues with that stuff. 
I mean, even then, I mean, usually they're pretty good about identifying the issue and patching it out. So, I mean, it just, it's not like they just sit there and like, oh, it is what it is. I mean, they're right. pretty good about making sure they uh, keep up the quality of life on those, um, on those uh, enhancements. Especially so. the highest played games. You remember when Mark, Mark Cerny did his PS4 backwards compatibility thing or PS5 to PS4 backwards compatibility thing? And uh, people in the media and, you know, the Twitter sphere and all that, and we're not going to focus on that. But they uh, they honed in on, you know, it's only the top 100 games. But they were, you know, they, they have the data. They can look at these are the games that are the most played, and yeah. they will test those out first. And those will get the rigorous, you know. You know that first party stable is going to be good, which I'm pleased about. So Halo 3 is going to look good. Gears 2 is going to look good. Gears 3 is going to look great. You know, those will be there. Yeah, and I think that's what gets me on the fence about buying a Series X. It just, I don't know, it just all depends. I mean, I'm interested in playing the old quality games, but at this point, I need to start making wise uh, monetary decisions and stop getting into the whole. Get, I can only get one for day one, and it, it I'd probably be the PlayStation knowing me. I mean, unless something happens and I'm not going to be close to Microsoft and they come out swinging and they got like a whole bunch of first party stuff that I'm like, oh, all right, you know, because. But then again, you've got that backdrop of the two years that they've just about promised, saying, "Hey, these games will still run on Xbox One X," and we, the Xbox One X is still no slouch. It's not a piece of shit equipment. But uh, they say that. But then again, we, we've seen how stuff runs on uh, generational PCs. So, right. Yeah, yeah, it runs, but it may, you may a game may pay, play completely different on a Series X. Right. I mean, so you know. There might and be if you're uh, talking about upgrading your TV. That's a whole nother uh, wormhole you're going to be chasing. Yeah, lots of stuff to consider. Um, that's kind of been it on the Xbox front here recently, right? No big, no big unveilings. Uh, other than you know, they they're so funny to me because you know, like they're they're like really in the pool trying to scream at everybody, like "Don't forget me, don't forget me," because it's a whole. I thought it was funny because remember we we had the PlayStation thing. And this is my observation, and it is what it is. I don't know what they're doing. It's a smart marketing. We right. had the whole PlayStation reveal yesterday, and then all of a sudden that Series X uh, preview trailer that came out right at noon, where they had like a new sizzle reel. Yeah, and they knew it. They, they knew because Sony was coming out with their own thing later on that day. Right. And then you had uh, as soon as after the Sony uh, conference was over, Aaron Greenberg congratulated Sony. And then just listed all the games that was in their conference that was also coming to their console that was going to play better on their console. So <laughs> I was like, at least so, at least with Sony, they just they're just like whatever. It's up to the developer. We didn't we didn't have Sony come out there and like, oh, Scarlet Nexus is coming on our console also. Because remember that yeah. whole confusion, like, so what's going on with this? Is this an Xbox exclusive? And we had to right. wait till Namco came out and like, nope, this is also coming on PS4, PS5, and blah blah blah. So what's so interesting is that. I feel like just two months ago we were sitting here and Microsoft had so much momentum. They gave us specs. They gave us that uh, that initial sizzle reel. Yeah. You know, they showed us the box. That for some reason was such a big thing, and um, they had all this momentum. They were they were going through all the right, you know, all the right steps. It felt like, and then they showed us all these random third party games uh, with their event with no gameplay. It was like all cutscenes or pre rendered stuff. Um, they kept, you know, it was all over all the feeds, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay exclusive and all this stuff. And it was, it was such a letdown, man. And the show just, it deflated them. And it seems like 
we were dogging Sony out for not saying anything. Like, you got to come out. You got to have something. And they have lined up. You know, they did their Wired articles. They got some of the tech stuff out of the way. They stood by their, you know, it's a weaker box on paper, supposedly. Uh, they did the GDC thing with Mark Cerny that people seem to have turned around and are not that pissed off about. It's it's so random how things work this way. I, left some, I guess I finally linked in, like, because everybody had to keep explaining to him, like, yeah, this is a game developers conference, so right. you're... This is the problem is everybody was hungry for information. Right. And they just, you know, they were like, you know, the people have said, like, hey, don't be surprised that you don't get what you want because this is a game developers conference. You're just going to go right. over details, and that's what happened. But the, the thing that, I guess, it doesn't drive me up the wall because I don't get involved with the keyboard warriors. But it's like, this is what separates your box. You want to fly this flag high. He's telling you what's better about it. He's mm. telling you what the difference is. He's telling you it's not teraflops. It's this custom SSD. And if you don't get hyped into his minutia details about you know, how it, how the system bus and all that works, that's on you, dude. And the, you, you just really have no reason to fly your flag, but that's the flag you picked, and so be it. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing with Cerny. He didn't go in there, like, trashing the competition. He just like, hey, this is what we we decided, like, you know, this was enough power. And, you know, yeah. we were wanting to concentrate on these aspects and, you know, and not just go into power this generation. So, and everybody was so caught up on power from the previous generation, so. Right. I mean, because well, I, because Microsoft brought it to the forefront, you know, they made it a thing because they were getting their ass kicked, and they they figured that would be the thing to champion it. Let me let me uh, let me take that back. It's always been a power about power every generation. So it's always been which is the most con- powerful console every generation. I will take that back. You know, that's this it's all that's always been there. So it has, but there's been arguments left and right, and then. We've talked about on the show the least powerful system has most often won out. Uh, the Master System was a, a more capable system than NES. You know, uh, the Nintendo 64 was a more powerful system than Saturn or PlayStation. The PS2, which is the best-selling console of all time, was outclassed by the other two consoles in its generation, and arguably the Dreamcast in certain aspects. So, play your games, people. We'll we'll say it time and time again, but I think it's I think it's a good way to lead into the PS5 showcase because it did it did really highlight the differences between the two consoles and what they have coming up. I I really feel like, and we've talked about on the show, you know, they're they're similar architecture. They're going to offer similar experiences, things like that. If if half of these are exclusives that we saw, you know, just from the Sony side, just the Sony Interactive Entertainment, their new their new umbrella. No, what is it, Sony? Sony Studios or PlayStation Studios? PlayStation Studios. Yeah. I mean, just from them, you, you saw gameplay on, on everything they had. You didn't see any pre-rendered anything uh, exclusively. You I saw the, you saw gameplay. I think the most impressive thing I saw was Ratchet and Clank, just the whole uh, fact that he's in there transitioning between different dimensions. That shit, like no, this? No low times. No low times. Crazy. It was crazy. Me, me and you play Ratchet and Clank games. And you, when you change worlds, typically there is a low time to low to a different yeah. world. That was just, he was just jumping in different dimensions, no low time. Insane. Like, a grappling hook through him. Like, you know, accelerating into that new space. Yeah. Like, not a, not a, what is the famous, like, uh, Tomb Raider, like, trying to squeeze through the cracks and let it render everything behind it. Man, it was, 
that was lightning fast and it was like a equivalency of like watching an animated movie or something like that it was a, it was just non-stop action just going and it just keeps pulling you through there i mean that's one thing that's going to be make a big difference with this next generation jump i'm sure xbox is going to be similar with their yeah with their uh their architecture i don't want people arguing with us about like oh they're gonna have ssds too but i'm like no, you know, they've already said they they've already said they had some sort of custom you know super fast bus and all this kind of stuff yeah so, but uh, like, the show actually started with Spider-Man, and there's been a little bit of drama today as to what that Spider-Man game actually is. And uh, somebody had picked up a news article saying it was um, like a remaster, a remaster slash expansion. But this is a whole new, uh, the way it was clarified that I read, um, I think it was Jason Schreier retweeted this or reached out to somebody, but it's, a, it's akin to like Uncharted Lost Legacy. It's not Spider-Man 2. That wasn't Uncharted 5 or whatever the number is. Uh, this is a this is a side story. This is another telling. It's like a five ten hour adventure. That's all it is. It's not like a full twenty to forty hour game. It's like a an additional part. But uh, that's what they well they opened the show with Grand Theft Auto Five. We skipped that part totally because I'm I'm reading off this PlayStation blog post and it's just not sequential like the like the show was. Yeah, because they announced that it was I think was it was, GTA Five Online was coming standalone to PlayStation Five first mm-hmm. and exclusive i think it was with three months and then i think you you can was it starting now or starting soon where you can play and you get a, a million dollars like a million month, shark bucks or whatever it is yeah monthly for PlayStation plus members until the, the launch so yeah. so i outside they didn't go into details about what the expanded was but i mean it just looks like they're just bringing over gta 5 with enhancements it was interesting to start the show with that. You know, everybody's super excited, and then they're literally showing GTA Five uh, PS4 footage, which we were in that theater experience when they announced GTA Five for PS4, and it brought it just brought us it brought the house down. We were like, oh hell yeah! Look, you know, it was just a huge step up from the PS3 version. And uh, I saw somebody on Twitter later on. They said, you know, they're catching flack for leading with GTA Five. Look at these sales. I mean, it's it's still going through the roof. It's still on NPD. And uh, it's smart for them to align themselves with that platform. GTA 5 Online is, is a monster. Yep. So it lives I again. Just, I saw another illustration. I think it sent it to you. But in like in six years or in seven years, they made GTA 3, Vice City, um, San Andreas. You got the two Vice City and Liberty City stories offshoots. And you got GTA 4. Am I missing one in there? I mean, and, part and, of the expansions for 4 also. Yep, Ballad Lost in the Tony. Damned and uh, Ballad of Gay Tony. And then in seven years since then, or eight years since then, whatever it was, you just have GTA 5 on like every platform. <laughs> it sells, baby. Y'all want a new GTA? Stop buying that old shit. <laughs> GTA Online, man. Uh, it's, now, that, that, I think that's why it's, they're they're separating that component, starting with the PlayStation 5, since it's going to be a separate component now. So It's its own beast. I remember, uh, I think we talked about it on this podcast, but at one point, the cheapest way to get those cards was to buy that, like, dual skew of the game and, like, some online retail thing, you know? Yeah, that And it, it gave you shark cards cheaper than, like, trying to buy them. Shark card edition or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we saw Gran Turismo 7, which looked gorgeous. I think card games are always a highlight of uh, any console generation. It uh, looked good to you, too, sir? Yep, I was most impressed with the the sound, especially in the tunnels. I did listen on, uh, they said listen to the show with headphones, and I did. And there were certain areas that I could, like, 
I was like, holy shit. The uh, the NBA 2K21 bit. Did you hear the basketball? Like when they were super close and then when they were far away, it was that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I'm, that's why when they announce those headphones, I'm all in on the headphones, too. Those headphones look super comfortable. Yep. Hey, we have the original Pulse. I, I'm still using them upstairs. It's like, it's like my upstairs headphone set. Those things beat hard. Yep. Yeah, I got Pulse is crazy. I just replaced the padding on mine the other day, so. I'm about to have to. I was I was looking at them. Did you find a good seller or something? Uh, get them off Amazon for like 10 bucks. Amazon? Okay. Yeah. They, they sell like OEM ones. I just bought the OEM ones, even though you can probably go and get a, a better quality one. Like some people say, just buy a better quality one. I was like, ah, just keep it OEM. Those lasted you, what, like 10 years at this point? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good return on investment. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 looked awesome. It looked like it played really well. Um, they did have this presentation at 1080p, 30 frames per second. So we might have seen a decrease in quality in some of those versus how they natively will look. But it, it still looked gorgeous to me. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the um, I follow the PS3 subreddit and somebody put a screen capture of uh, Gran Turismo 5, Gran Turismo 6, and Gran Turismo 7. They had three different pictures, and they just had question marks. And they were like, "All right, pick out which one's which." And I was, <laughs> I was looking at them like, "Nope, I have no clue. I haven't played enough of these. They all look good to me, but they're known for being gorgeous games." So yeah. Uh, what else was in there? It was a bunch of indies. Um, Man, so we could we could make a whole show about this PlayStation show, to be honest. Yeah, they go to um, Shuhei and his Indies program now. Shuhei is head of Indies, isn't he? Yeah, so out of Indies, we saw what uh, Bug Snacks, which was from Young Horses, the people who made Octodad. Bug uh, Snacks looks awesome. Uh, with that crazy song and whatever happened towards the end of it where they were eating each other and made that villain. I was so, talking about weenie hands. I yeah. can't pick it with my weenie hands. I burned it down again. Burned the town again. I told a friend of the show, Russell, I said it, it looks like uh, some developer dropped acid after watching a lot of um, or playing a lot of Viva Pinata and then like going to a buffet or something. <laughs> that's just what they came up with. That is a if you're, if we all played Octodad. Here play Octodad is that's something the studio would make. It's, yep. it's that uh, uh, randomness. Then you had a Goodbye Volcano High, which is like watching a fucking uh, 2D animated film. It was clean. Uh, that it was, was like uh, a, really stylistic. It was like a might be like a graphic novel and the and the visual novel type uh like Life is Strange type of situation. That's what it looks like. We didn't get much on gameplay wise other than just the aesthetic of how well that game looks animated. Uh, the like writer was on Twitter highlighting that it was a that it's queer characters, so it's a you know it's a gay adventure amongst these characters and um. Sony put it right there in their PlayStation 5 unveiling with that art style and everything. I, I think it was looked gorgeous. Hey, there's a lot of uh, diversity in that show. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you look at everything. Yeah, Miles Morales and uh, Horizon and all the uh, Kenya. I mean, oh god, that was. Uh, mm, I don't know if I want to do game of the show yet, but that was probably close to being my game of the show. I think you looks, liked it too. That looks good. Yeah, in your face, in your face, you liked it too. <laughs> I was like, I, hopefully that, hopefully the people in Xbox will get that. That, that it looks like that game needs to be played by everybody, in my opinion. That, that was Kena Bridge of Spirits. Uh, it says a story-driven action adventure game combining exploration and discovery with fast-paced combat. It looked like a mix of like, I don't Zelda, Tokobot, like some Pikmin thrown in there. Mm-hmm. It just had this. It had this whole unique style. I mean, I just named three games that it reminded me of, but 
uh, I could see these little, you know, those little black soot monsters that look like, um, was it House Moving Castle? It looks like you have to get those from point A to point B somehow. And I, I, I see myself restarting if I lose that, one. Uh, Spirited Away, I think. Spirited Away, they're in there too, right? Yeah. Yep. They're always in that bath scene. My oh, scene. And, uh, they're in Totoro too. Remember, they go flying yeah. up underneath the... They go flying up underneath the oven and stuff when that family moves into the farmhouse. Yeah, that one and I think uh, Little Devil Inside was another one that uh, I, I, I love the indie ones. The Little Devil Inside was crazy just with him going around hunting everything. That was up there for me. from the monsters and yep, his fucking uh, employers just sitting there just living his uh, easy life. He's sitting there not, trying not to die. They tied so much stuff together and like the old man pooped and then something like something happened on the other side and it just that's got it's going to have some cool elements to it. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, Little Devil Inside. Set in a Victorian-like era, embark on dangerous missions to gain evidence and findings for your employer, a mysterious professor. But it almost seemed to have like a dual, you know, like a light world, dark world element where they, they played off of each other. Yeah, that, those are probably two of the favorite things that I saw as well. Yeah, and then we had uh, some more information, Oddworld, uh, Soulstorm, which uh, seems like more of an, in the vein of an actual sequel of the original Oddworld games. It looks so much like an Oddworld game, and it was one yeah. of those games. There were several. It was like every third or fourth game, I was just reminded, like, this is a PlayStation show. And when we saw that Oddworld, it was like, okay, we, we all played Oddworld on PS1. Like, if we had imagined a PlayStation 5 at the time, this is what Oddworld would look like on PlayStation 5. It was gorgeous. Outside of that weird bit where Lanning decided he was just going to make him for Xbox at that one time, but <laughs> money. Well, I think it was just, uh, yeah, it was just the ease of developing. Before, remember, he's like he didn't want to sit there and go through the trouble of developing it on PS2. He kept having issues, and it was easier doing it on Xbox. He says, That's right. Abe's was Exodus was, was was that Abe? No, Abe's Exodus is PS or uh, PS1. Munch's Odyssey. Munch's Odyssey. Remember, he dropped it from PS2 when Xbox. He said it was just too. He said it was easy to develop for. He didn't yep. want to fiddle with the PlayStation. Yep. Um, outside of that, we had two games from Annapurna, which was uh, The Pathless, uh, uh, Mythic Tale of an Archer and an Eagle in the Vast Forest, who ventured to Mystic, uh, Mystical Island to spell Curse of Darkness. And then you had Stray, which was uh, another one of the show that I like. A uh, little cat in a futuristic walled city devoid of life befriends a city drone. The cat must find its way home and perhaps help the city along the way. The cat that, was one, that one looked awesome. Yep. Well, that was the cat with the book bag, right? Yep. <laughs> There were two games with cats. The other one was the astronaut thing that I swore was a Kojima game. The whole time, that Capcom game, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this is some fucking Kojima police knots. He even had like the Death Stranding backpack on. I was like, this is a Kojima game, and it was a Capcom title. It was a pragmatic. Yep. Pragmatic. That's it. Yep. That, and that's coming out in 2022. So we also had uh, Solar Ash from the people who made um, Hyper, Dr- Hyper Light Drifter. Yep. Another um, Annapurna joint. Um, outside of that i think that takes care of all the indies we forgot to mention jet the far shore from the super brothers um that one didn't stand out very much and that first i don't know what, what we were doing in that game outside of it looks like you advanced civilization you started yeah. you expand into space and you go through a certain amount of time but it didn't really give as much details on gameplay and story or what's going on so there i just want to snip it seemed like a tech demo right like a sizzle reel well this was a sizzle reel so it, it's mm-hmm. appropriate I'm sure so we'll we, learn more about it later. And then third party, we already went over uh, Grand Theft Auto Cinco, and then mm. um, we saw Ghost Wire Tokyo. Which, yeah, uh, Shinji Mikami uh, popped up on there to talk about it. Which oh. looks pretty cool. That looks like a fucking, uh, you know what it reminded me of? It looked like a fucking Machin X for Dreamcast. Yeah. That first person aspect and going around. and um, But it's like not like a regular first person game. 
So it's like right. you're doing like these weird magic base uh, attacks based off uh, different finger pointing for shooting guns and uh, different hand poses for different powers. So, And that game was a surprise hit at E3, partly because of uh, the developer that's no longer there. Was her name Nakamura, I think? Mm-hmm. You know, she did the wild poses and stuff like that. Yeah. This trailer didn't impress me as much as that E3 one did. It, it lost a lot of the... I feel like it lost a lot of the uh, the atmosphere and stuff. This one was a lot more colorful and bright. Yeah, I think been a, the E3 one, which, remember, you got to remember, it's all... They made the announcement it was all concept photos. They never actually started in, in, in gameplay. That's um, true. And I imagine she was a director at the time, so they got a new director now. I imagine they they probably changed the direction of how that game looked after she new left. Vision. Yeah. It still looked good. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. It just looked different from what we saw at E3, but it still looked like a hell of a game. Yeah, it looks like her version might have been based off what they were showing from the concept art. Might have been a little bit more darker. This one is definitely a lot more colorful. But I don't know. There was a lot of conversation going around that that Bethesda may not be in a a good spot. So that's probably why they made their changes. So I mean, because you see, they made that deal with Sony to have exclusive. They're both their games exclusive for the certain amount of time. Twenty yep. one. Ghostwire and what Deathloop? Deathloop, which also looks very good too. Yep. Um, and that's the one where you play uh, dueling assassins and mixed with uh, Groundhog Day. And so, um, very interesting. You have somebody who's trying to take you down, that's protecting the eight. And you got to take out the eight. So I imagine once you take out the eight, you beat the game. So and it's mm-hmm. like if you fuck up, you can do it like almost looks like Hitman style, where you can go in there and just do it differently each and every time. There's different set pieces you can do to. To go in there and, and act a killing, but then you have to be careful to watch uh, watch your back. It was re- reminiscent of Hitman. It's it's mm-hmm. about time there was a new Hitman announced, wasn't there? Yep, Hitman Three was also announced, which to continue, which is going to finish off his story. So after the what was it, Blood, Blood, Blood Money, maybe I think they said or Absolution. Can't remember which one it was. It's continuing. This is supposed to conclude his arc. Gotcha. So, That's so, why he looks different. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. This is, yeah, it's not the the whole uh, episodic thing where they were like, okay, we're we're just selling you the gameplay. There's not really a story for which they did the last couple of games. Really, right. You know, it's just mostly just the environment and the gameplay. This one is an actual full-on Hitman story that they're completing. So, Man, I can't think of Hitman without thinking of those giant bomb videos with the How remember the holiday it? special where they drew the, the weapon and the outfit and all that from the hat. <laughs> oh, also- man, that's good content. Killing Helmet Kruger always. Helmet Kruger. Um, outside of that, we had a gameplay for Godfall, uh, which looks pretty good. Um, it stays on my list, man. I, I don't know, like, I don't know the story, but like gameplay wise, it yeah. looks it looks like like Monster Hunter or Resident Evil that over the shoulder type gameplay, which I kind of dig. Um, it doesn't look like I was thinking more. It was going to be more like a Destiny game, which everybody's saying that that's what it was shooting for, but shooting for and that might be that might be what they're going for but um from what i saw uh gameplay wise i seem more interested in this one it seems like more of a like a resident evil 4 type gameplay battle system so i thought when they first announced it it was going to be like a, a diablo-esque structure i thought it was going to have some of the, that sort of grinding not so much a shooter but you know a hack and slash uh, I don't see it on here, but uh, that destruction, it was like Destruction All-Stars or something like that. That no, one stuck out for me. It's on there, but it's under first party. Um, okay, I'm, I'm backtracking, uh, my bad. So the next one was uh, the, the rumored Final Fantasy 16 that somebody had leaked and then came back and went back on it, and it wasn't 
Final Fantasy 16 is uh, Project Athea. Mm-hmm. It's exclusively coming to PS5 and then PC as well. Uh, and it looks the very Lumen's similar. Look, that was before, uh, was it, Subata left the company, the one he created 15? So, uh, which I'm sure he has nothing to do with this game anymore. So, But that was his team that he had formed before he left. Um, it looked a lot like the Unreal Engine 5 game where you're just jumping around, flying through the air and but uh, what it's it is, we, we don't know. Nope. I mean, other, other than that, this was supposed to be the supposedly the Final Fantasy 16 game, but I guess they decided that they wanted to not be locked down to that that name and and wanted to go something completely different. So that's part of why they came up with this basic project at the. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a different name in the future. So. Yep. It won't uh, be project it might just be Athea Adventures or something. Then we had, uh, like you mentioned earlier, the NBA 2K21, uh, the one I called the sweat simulator, which I'll notice was a <laughs> constant sweat everywhere from uh, Zion. Zion, yeah. Uh, hey, man, uh, I, I don't play basketball games. I know they're a huge, huge seller, but I always like looking at, uh, at, at it graphically because this is a franchise that literally started on Dreamcast. So you can see that progression of, of gameplay and graphics across all those generations. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. I mean, we just basically it was just a kind of a look at how the engine was going to look and play a little bit based off of Zion's model. So mm-hmm. uh, after that, we got uh, the Capcom side, which was uh, Resident Evil 8, or what they call Village, yep. which uh, concludes uh, Ethan's story um, with a weird twist where I guess Chris Redfield's the villain. So it looked amazing. That trailer was incredible. The whole fucking, uh, yeah, well, I, I was watching it at first and I thought, like, this, the character models look more like uh, Silent Hill and all those Silent Hill rumors. I was thinking it was going to be more like I Silent thought it was Hill. Silent Hill and then I saw an umbrella symbol on the door and yeah. I was like, nope. Yeah, and it was like, it was, it looks like a mix of seven and uh, four with that uh, weird European village in there with the werewolves and everything. This is definitely uh, very different, so. Four um, was not a bad game, if memory serves correctly, except yeah. for the escort mission that gives you hell. Outside of we're probably going to go through it again at some point. So, uh, yep. yeah, I, I, that's pretty much everything from the third party focus and the indies. And then the, well, the we sort of we sort of mentioned that Pragmata game, but that was very impressive. I thought that looked really good. Uh, he plays a female character who's like a Groundhog Day, almost like procedurally generated type thing, it seemed like. No, that's the Pragmatic is the other the that the other one. The one you're talking about is uh, oh, Pragmata is the space one. Yeah. Okay. What was the What was the one with the the lady? I was gonna get to the first party games. So this was the first bad. party game. And My bad. I thought it was the Capcom joint. I forgot about this the spaceman. No, that that was a first party joint. This one was uh, the one you're talking about. It's like Remembrance or Returnal. Returnal. Yeah. Returnal. Uh, done by House Marquee. Uh, I don't. For whatever reason, this article does not have any of the first parts. First party. No, it doesn't. That's their party in the uh, Indies. Very disappointing. Damn it, Sid Schumann. Well, that looked good. Definitely go check that one out, listeners. Here we go. So, this is, this I described it. It's just not a Capcom game. So this is the, there's a separate article from PlayStation Studios. And so it's called Returnal from House Marquee. Uh, Returnal transforms roguelike gameplay into a third-person shooter where a player fights to survive a hostile planet that changes with every death. Players can switch instinctively between firing modes by using a single adaptive trigger and can get right back into the action after dying. PS5's immersive 3D audio brings the alien world to life around the player and helping players navigate the intense positional combat. 
You know what made me think it was a Capcom game? It reminded me the the shooting and all that looked a lot like Lost Planet. That one a little bit Mass Effect for me as well. I could see that. Yeah, so outside of that, I mean, like you said, on the Sony side, they uh, out of order. They kind of led with the Spider-Man Miles Morales we talked about already, where it's just going to be uh, a standalone game similar to uh, the last Uncharted game that came out. Mm-hmm. And we had the Ration and Clank where we talked about and saw how the seamless gameplay from each dimension went through. Uh, we already talked about Grand Traditional 7. Then they uh, came out and they did the Sackboy Big Adventure from Sumo Digital, which looked very similar to like a guy. I was getting a lot of uh, Mario type vibes. Um, yeah, it, it's reminiscent of more of a Mario game versus uh, the traditional Little Big Planet, which is probably why they went with a different naming convention on this one. Instead of doing and creating levels, which we don't know if that's on there or not, this one seems to be more of the platformer aspects. It had a it had a Mario 3D World and Super Mario 3D Land vibe to it, which yeah. neither one of those is bad games. Nope, it's good inspiration. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, the other one you mentioned was uh, looks like a spiritual successor to Derby Destruction, Destruction mm-hmm. All Star from Lucid Games, mm-hmm. and that one looks like it's trying to find a new niche in the, the whole Overwatch crowd, where they come out with these uh, colorful and characters with unique backgrounds, but. Instead of just doing a copy paste like we've been doing the last couple gen uh, last generation after somebody made a a, a new uh, g- gameplay advancement, this one seems like it's trying to do something differently. So this one seems like a mix of you. I mean, they're running outside of the cars and attacking yeah. and getting hit by cars and the cars are shooting. It's like it's a bunch of stuff going on. So I smiled the whole way through that one. There's something about that. I- Especially I can't really the, put a the female character with the TV with the emoticons coming on yep. there, yep. doing the weird running uh, motions throughout there. And, and then I saw pose. that big, I saw that big windmill in the big, the middle of the map, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of uh, my, the first thing that popped in my head was Zanzakar. I was like, this looks like the Zanzakar map. You're gonna you're gonna have to shoot in between those two things. Mm-hmm. That um, looked I'll, good though, man. I could see that being like a freemium title and us trying that out and having a good time. Yeah, I don't see that being a full price one. That might be like thirty nine bucks in my opinion. And they'll probably, you know, sell some like expansion packs to make up the difference or whatever yep. other bullshit. Then they confirmed that we were getting uh, Astro's Playroom, uh, which was uh, going to be preloaded in the PS5. I think it's going to be four worlds and it's another platforming aspect, which I enjoyed on the VR part. Yeah. I was about um, to say, you get that on the PlayStation 5. So day one, you're going to get uh, some good platforming content. You're going to get a good game. It was uh, their way to sell the controller. I think it's supposed to make you use every aspect of that controller and what you could do with it. Hey, remember you got a Playroom for free with the PlayStation 4. If you bought the camera with that, you got that. And that had a whole software suite to it, too. And they, they continued to update it, and they did uh, some expansions on there, too. Uh, and outside of that, they ended it, uh, the show on uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is uh, where that, it's been rumored for a while. We get that Horizon Zero. Oh, well, we skipped over uh, Demon's Souls, but we'll come back to that. But they ended up the uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which um, looked really good, especially those underwater levels. Oh, God. When she was, uh, like, looking around with the mask on, I was like, oh, shit. And which it looks very different from the first one, which I like. So, I mean, the underwater part's completely different. So it looks like we'll get a little bit of uh, flavor. Because, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the stuff they showed on here is... Uh, could have been sequels from previous from the previous generation, which you know can, can concern people. Like you know, they want to see the difference in console generation. They don't want to. A lot of people don't want to play the same thing they could be playing on PS4. So, dude, but I, I saw they- I saw worthy sequels. I saw legacy content like Oddworld. 
um, new IP everywhere, left and right. Uh, a remaster, which you're going to touch on, of a of a PS3 game that has had its servers pulled. So that you know that community is wanting to get back in there. Yeah, and like you said, uh, Demon Souls, which is coming from Japan Studio and Blue Point Games. Uh, you know what Blue Point was working on now? All that speculation. Yeah. Uh, the addition to beautiful shadow effects, ray tracing, and you know they they got two different graphic modes. So we can do on uh get that four K goodness. Probably uh, I imagine true 4k and then um got one that does a uh, focus on frame rate which i wouldn't be surprised it'll be like 120 frames per second or something like that so yeah. and then which say people have wanted rate. from those games forever right yeah i mean action games you typically always will take the hit on graphics and always go for smooth gameplay because i mean at that point you're not really paying attention on games like these that are hard where you're trying to survive that it's pretty because you're not sitting there and trying to mire the game you're trying to fucking survive so i just live yeah, I think that's everything from the PlayStation show. There's a lot to cover and talk about. Uh, we had uh, Jim Ryan come back on there and tell us that there'll be more stuff to announce. And I imagine we'll, if they're similar to like they did with the PS4 one, we got all the kind of the American and European stuff on this one, like we did at E3. Uh, and imagine whatever they do digitally for Tokyo Game Show, we'll probably get the Japanese side. Yeah. Uh, Get what what they're making since especially since he's pushing for a worldwide launch this time instead of a, doing a staggered like they did last time. So summertime is always these big Western titles and uh, and stuff to get them hyped up. Because I know with the PS4 they were more worried about doing the the Western titles first because I think that came out in November and it didn't come out in Japan until what March I think that following year. Mm-hmm. So I think Jim Ryan was his biggest thing. His thing was he wanted a worldwide launch this time. He didn't want to split the launch. So which makes sense because right now Sony's not a they don't have that foothold they have in Japan anymore, so they're probably going to try to get as much momentum they can to, to get it off the ground. They don't want to. They don't want to lose ground over there. So, be interesting to see because our two Sony heads are uh, European. You have Herman Holst and you have Jim Ryan, so it's not you know Shuhei and Ryan Layton or uh, Sean Layton. I'm sorry, Definitely. Ryan Layton or uh, Andrew House. Gotta miss me some Andrew House. <laughs> they they keep or Adam Voice. Yeah, they keep it fresh. They they really push people through. So they showed us the interface. Like there were a couple of screens where you could see the boot screen and stuff like that. I, there was a familiar PlayStation esque chime. Uh, friend of the show Russell, when he was when he was watching that bit, he texted me and said, "I can't wait to go to an E three presentation where that's playing in the background at the very end <laughs> over the interview." Yeah, like like it did for us with the PS four menu. <laughs> that fucking music, yeah. <laughs> It played over that whole interview. If we ever go to another E3 presentation again. so Right? In a theater. Imagine doing that now. Imagine A, an E3 presentation. B, all of us going to a movie theater and sitting in there shoulder to shoulder. And C, being able to go to IHOP after that. Those are all three bizarre things right now, you know? I mean, Gosh, technically, it's crazy te- now, technically we could do it if we all quarantine in the same household, but that's not the case, so... I would like to, uh, you know, as things, well, cases still aren't dropping, so I'm, I'm more than happy to keep doing the, the, um, you know, remote recording like we're doing. But I would love to do a, a live reaction thing, video, and and stream it with, you know, uh, us having our commentary and stuff. I would too. Uh, yeah. The only concern it would be the young ones is my concern, especially with that uh, that Kawasaki light disease going around. So right. Nope, we'll always take precaution and uh, and do a podcast later. 
Yeah, so that 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 is my biggest concern. Outside of that, outside of that, I've, I've been going back to the gym, so I roll the dice. But I've been going to the gym at three a.m. and it's only me and one other person in there. So as soon as my gym was like, we're back twenty four hours, I was like, yes, I'm going back at three a.m. There's nobody in there, and I was like, get out of there. I think seven a.m. when like four people were walking in there, I'm like, nope, y'all have it. Clean everything up. Freaking shower rebel. when you get home. Freaking rebels in there, man. Some dude, uh, every time he walks in there, he will straight and starts using the machine. I'm like, dude, the first thing I do when I get in there is I go in there and wash my hands, and then I spray down the machine before I even touch it. And then, yeah. I, then I use it, I spray down when I'm done, and then I go wash my hands. That dude's like a freaking rebel. Just go straight to the machine. Like, oh. I'm like, I'm God, that's, soon as I, that's why I get out of there as soon as they come in there. Because I was like, nope. Yeah, I can't do that yet, man. Right, if I'm going to go in there, I'm going to take precautions. So like every time I go in that gym, I, the first thing I do is wash my hands. And then I sanitize the thing I'm going to use, and then sanitize it when I'm done, and then wash my hands again before I touch something else. So... These so wrapping up the plate. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Crazy man. No, these people are crazy. Rebels, like you said. It's just it's just not smart at this point. There's no need. Well, I mean, I want to live a, some type of uh, normalcy uh, as much as I can in life. You know, we all can't be in a bubble, but you know, I I, I come into the you know I give and take. So at that point, it's like, all right, I'm going to sanitize myself and what I use, and this is right. the sacrifice I'll have to make, even though it sucks ass, and I never have to done that before. Which I probably should have done it before because it's just the right thing to do in the sanitary. But uh, you know, but I'm gonna do what I can that way I can try to enjoy some aspect of my life. You know what I mean? I got you. All right. At the end of the show, we did not get a price, but we got to see the box. We got to see the actual console. What do you think, sir? Uh, it looks fine. Uh, it's the same thing. I hopefully I'm not correcting myself on here. I think it's the same thing where. The whole people were making fun of Xbox. Uh, who gives a shit? It's going to be under a cabinet. And I'm never going to look at that console. Nobody's going to go <laughs> to my room and go like, my entertainment center, like, what is that? You know, like, it, it has one purpose to play games. I could give two shits what it looks like. As long as it, it lasts for seven or ten years. I don't care. That thing could, that thing could be a fucking media cabinet. And if that thing, you know... It is. Good news. It is. If that thing lasts forever... Or, you know, I don't have to sit there and worry about quality and breaking down right. or any of that shit. Right. Hey, I give two fucks what it looks like. Reliability. No yellow light of death. No red ring of death. No disc read error. Mm-hmm. None of those things. That's all That's all we can hope for. That's all uh, I ask for any console. But a lot of people, I think... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's my opinion. But go ahead and give yours. On my, my apologies. I'm going to cut you out. The console, hopefully everybody's seen it. But it looks like it, it, it can stand vertically. And they've also confirmed, because all the marketing is vertical... But they've confirmed it. It can go horizontal. There's a sad addition for the PlayStation now. There's an all-digital uh, PS5. Um, which, we, it's, which we knew was coming because, you know, there's mm-hmm. going to be one for the Xbox. They have to... Yeah. They're going to market similarly, so... Uh, it's very curvy. It, it almost looks like a combination of of the PlayStation 3 and... I don't even know because the, the, the top of it... I mean, people are poking fun at that, but it, it does look like a type of router that you would get. You know, it looks like antenna spread out at the top. That is an accurate description. I mean, we're just looking at 2D still images on both consoles. I mean, it's going to be a different thing when we get it in our hands and look at it. Because, I mean, I'm I'm 100% certain that, you know, there's a marketing group on both Microsoft and, and then there's and Sony. I'm sure they've heard the same arguments. It's like that people are going to make it, it looks like this. It looks like that. It looks like this. Yep. But, you know, when you actually hold the product in your hand, you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's not that bad, you know. But, so I do know it's going to be big. People have taken, like, the disk drive, and they've oh, measured, like, tall. the PS3 disk drive. It's going to be tall as shit. It's going to be tall as fuck. But yeah. I, you got to cool these things. 
I think that's going to be a uh, given. It's either going to be it was either going to be tall as fuck or it's going to be thick as fuck. It's going to be one of the two. Microsoft <laughs> just went with the thick. So it's going to be TAF or TAF. Yep. I mean, it's got to go. I mean, they got to do something. So I mean, as long yeah. as it, it keeps cool, I, I can get two fucks. Hopefully, they're using some liquid coolant in there. So that should be the standard for everything going forward, even on the fucking switch. No more fan. No more. No more fucking mechanical stuff that can break. I'm tired of that shit. Liquid cooling. A lot to be excited about. I'm excited uh, for future details on this. Uh, let's move on to April MPD, unless you had anything else you want to add on PS5. Nope. April yeah, MPD, this is according to VentureBeat and the MPD group. Uh, spending on new games, hardware, accessories, and game cards hit $1.5 billion, which was uh, a record for the month of April. This is a new record high and reported spend for an April month, eclipsing the $1.2 billion generated in April 2008, said Matt Piscatella. Uh, I think a lot of this had to do with people staying home and playing more games. Uh, accessories were very hard to find. And, you know, I'm not in need of controllers hardly ever, but I had some friends that were asking me about Xbox controllers or PlayStation controllers and not able to get a hold of them. So The sections are cleared, and when I stop by Walmart and take a look. Cleared out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good for I mean I think that's a good it's good for the industry but it's also a good sign you know people are staying home they're playing more multiplayer or couch co-op with family whatever whatever that entails it's like uh, I agree with Phil Spencer you know I'm glad a lot of people are getting into gaming just it's not for the right reasons but I'm glad a lot yeah. of people get in for gaming so yeah, it's definitely good for his business uh, at the very beginning I don't think we talked about this at the very beginning of the, the coronavirus pandemic and the stay-at-home orders and all that uh, the Halo Instagram account put up a Master Chief. And he's like on the couch holding a controller up and he's wearing his pajama pants. And it says, uh, stay at home, be a hero. You know, I like that. Uh, I like that mindset. It was good. Uh, but your top selling game for the month of April was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Surprising no one. Uh, number two is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. You had Animal Crossing New Horizons still holding on. Uh, NBA 2K20 at number four. Grand Theft Auto at number five. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we're getting it for PS5 day one. That's That's why right there. I didn't even question it. I just saw it on there. I was nope. like, that, that's smart. And I'm actually, between me and you, it's smart to get out in the beginning and it's not throw it in the middle of the show when you're getting new shit. Yep. Most people would have been pissed about that. Right. So They'll just shake their head in confusion for a minute and a half and then go on to Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, you know, we're just going to throw this out there. You know, this is, yeah, it's previous generation, but this is what's happening. And then now on to the, remember Jim Ryan came out there like, now nah, I'm to the new stuff. Uh, rounding up, because we know he doesn't like playing old games. Uh, rounding out your top ten, you had Resident Evil 3 at number six, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remastered at number seven, so I would say expect that Modern Warfare 3 before too long. Uh, MLB The Show 20 at number eight, Madden NFL 20 at number nine, and Red Dead Redemption 2 at number ten. Final Fantasy VII Remake was the best-selling game of April and instantly becomes the number three best-selling game year-to-date. Uh, it's currently the best-selling game of 2020 on PlayStation 4. Pretty wicked, right? Yeah. Animal Crossing New Horizons ranked as the third best-selling game of April and repeats as the second best-selling game of 2020 year-to-date. Uh, it's the best-selling title on Switch for the 12-month period ending April 2020. So that's two months versus uh, 10 other months that any other software had, and it killed everything else on the Switch. <laughs> It's a beast, man. I've cooled off on that game. My kids played it a couple days ago, but I've cooled uh, off. Tremendously. I haven't played it in a month, and I have no... I think I put 70 hours into it, and I think I'm done. I'm like, that's... Unless they come out with some kind of major expansion. I mean, so, I'm not... 
I'm not going to do, I don't play games for the grind. Some people can. I got a lot of friends that do. And I, I respect it. That's fine. Yeah. I get it. There's, you know, I understand it. There's nothing like working all day long and pulling up with some bullshit and then coming home and finding something comfortable like comfort food, firing up like Modern Warfare and jumping into the, the, the queue and, and fucking go at it and just let loose. I just, that's, that's been, just not for me. I'll, I'll speak on that, but that's been Halo for me on the weekends. Halo's been my, all right. I'm just going to put on the headset, talk to friends, and, and shoot some people. And mostly get shot myself. But mm-hmm. So my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, has a character on Animal Crossing. And when she fired it up, when she when her character came out of the tent, the hair was, like, all matted and stuff. And they the character did this, did this dramatic, like, brushing their hair off and, like, shaking it. Like, I haven't been outside in forever. And, and her hair went back right. But she got bored with it and left after about 30 minutes of, you know, just poking around and talking to people and things like that. And the youngest one uh, immediately picked it up and just started playing. And she was like, Dad, how come she doesn't have the the shovel and the axe and she's and the net? Like, she remembers these things. We haven't played this game in a month at least. And she just remembers all these things that her other sister doesn't have in her inventory that I have in mine. And I was like, well, she hasn't made them yet, so you don't have them. But uh, she, she likes to fish. So she'll get the fishing pole and just go to town fishing. And then when it breaks, she just goes and makes another one. And she's right back in there fishing. <laughs> They're disappointed that uh, Tom Nook doesn't want any of their fish. That ruined the appeal for them. I was like, just go sell them. I'm like, yeah. no, we want to donate them to the museum. I was like, well, he already has one. So why can't he have another? Because they, they love going in the museum. Like, they've walked all the way through it, and they see this giant-ass tank, and they don't understand why the raccoon won't take a fish from them. Yeah, take my fucking shoes. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. They're they're awesome with it. Um, All right, so that's your MPD sales. Did we do hardware? Was it Switch again? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Switch. I don't see hardware in this article. Did I click? Did I link the wrong one? I don't know. Game software, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. Year to date, 2020 trend up. So it looks like, and I had to find a new article. This comes from GamesIndustry.biz. U.S. console sales in April up 163 percent to 420 million all by itself. And this this still comes from MPD Group. Uh, the main driver of the growth has been Nintendo Switch. Uh, it says, no doubt buoyed by the ongoing success of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One saw hardware sales rise by more than 160% when compared to April 2019. So, hey, that's not bad going into going into a new console generation. You're, you know, going back to your Phil Spencer quote, there's a reason for that, but it's still not a limp to the finish line, you know? Yeah, you know, most people, it always seems to lie towards the end, but I think there's literally nothing in stock. Everything's been selling. Xbox, PS4, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen anything lying, really lying around for long. So, And really, when I think about that limp to the finish line, it's, it's mostly Nintendo that comes to mind. Man, that those last years of, like, N64 and GameCube and Wii, those transitions were just... Ugh. Those last couple of years of those systems was, like, every year of the Wii U lifeline. Right, didn't it feel like that? Oh yeah, just a a dearth of software. All right, sir, you retweeted this, and I grabbed the article. Tell us about that Star Wars Squadrons that Microsoft leaked on their website at the very top in the banner, (laughs) and EA had to come out and say something. Oh yeah, they just went ahead and just said fuck it. Yeah, yeah, because this is like the worst kept secret for a while. I mean, I think. it's been teased many a times from uh, many uh, insiders that this uh, this game was coming through there, and basically, uh, it's from their EA Motive studio. This is the one that uh, Jade left. 
Okay. Uh, I was wondering who Motive was when I saw it in the article. And this this is the rumored uh, Star Wars Project Maverick that first leaked on PlayStation Network in March, <laughs> uh, which they thought was going to be a VR game, which may have a VR component. We don't know. Uh, it, likely, like I said, this article is from Venture Beat from um, Jeff Grubb, where it's probably going to be a fully announced at a EA Play event on June 18th. Uh, after they published the story, it confirmed Star Wars Squadron is planning to be the trailer on Monday, June 15th. Very exciting. According to sources familiar with the game's production, this is still all from Jeff, Star Wars Squadron is an aerospace combat game about piling ships in head-to-head battles. It features a single-player campaign, but the main focus is for Squadrons is uh, the multiplayer, which I imagine is probably similar to Battlefront 2. It's probably like a short campaign, and they're pushing mostly uh, multiplayer. Uh, the idea is to get players fighting against each other in team battles featuring iconic Star Wars vessels. Uh, so everyone's plans- hoping it's similar to Rogue Squadron, right? Those were those were great games. I cry whenever I see that uh, Wii collection that they were they were going to put Rogue Squadron one, two, and three together for Wii with Wii controls, and you know they were already progressive scan, but widescreen support and all that stuff, and it. Ah. Like, it was ready to go and got the plug pulled on it somehow. That might have been right when LucasArts was getting out of the gaming business. I think it was. And Factor 5, Factor 5 had just fumbled with, uh, what was that, PlayStation Dragon game? Layer. Layer, that's it. All right, so we'll know more about this Monday. Well, we'll talk more about it next week. Uh, here's what we won't be talking about next week. Destiny 2 has outlined its roadmap of <laughs> upcoming content. Until 2022, holy shit. That's way out there, right? I mean, they announced that it was coming to the next consoles, mm-hmm. which we figured was happening. So you'll now have Destiny. Destiny's now a three-platform. You could play that first Destiny on 360 and PS3. It's just been around that long. I couldn't believe it when I was looking back. I think we're finally seeing the true vision of what Bungie wanted to do with this because I would imagine they were still under that whole Activision umbrella with that deal. They Activision would have probably pushed them to do a Destiny 3 for the next generation. Absolutely. And I think that's what they fought back because they were like, we did, well, like, I, I imagine if they were going to do Destiny 3, they would have done something that was completely different. They didn't want to get sucked into the whole copy paste thing. Yep. So I think that's the whole reason why they're like, well, we'd rather just do expansions because and do minor improvements. And actually make a new numbered one when with something completely different, you know. Yeah. Uh, on June 9th, Bungie revealed the future of Destiny 2. This comes from Polygon. The studio announced and launched the new season, Season of Arrivals. It spoke about Destiny 2 Beyond Light, the game's major expansion coming this fall. And it did something unprecedented. It announced the expansions for the next two years as well. The Witch Queen in 2021 and Lightfall in 2022. Pretty cool for Destiny players. Not really my cup of tea, but maybe, as you're saying, this is their true vision and we can see what it's all about. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, I got a, I got some co-workers who do the Destiny grind. Usually when the new content comes out, they're usually done with it in the weekend and then they'll fumble around a little bit afterwards and they kind of drop off. And then whenever they do updates, they'll drop back on and add it to the rotation. So it's always about that gameplay. It's that Halo-like aspect gameplay that they always keep bringing them back. So, uh, friend of the show, Russell, uh, he and I played in a men's baseball league in 2014. And, and one of our, uh, one of the guys that played with us, Brian, he was super excited about destiny coming out. And he is literally one of those PSN profiles that if I'm on PlayStation, 
you know, for those two or three years, however long it was, he was playing Destiny. It said in orbit or whatever every single time I saw him online. And now it's play, it's uh, Destiny 2 every single time I see Brian play. it. This generation has literally been a Destiny console for him. I love it for those people, man. They they found something and it just grabs them. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, man, not at gotta, all. You got to find what you love. And now you've got, you know, you already know that your favorite game is going to be on the next platforms, and you've got a content roadmap for the next two years. So maybe this is something we need to look into again. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you never know when the new console comes out and we want shit to play. So yeah, if it's kind of dry at that time, then hey. Free to play, uh, maybe some co-op things we can try out. We just fire it up and go. We're gonna have yep. SSDs to download too. We don't have to wait around for six hours. Yep. I'm excited, man. There's there's gonna be some good changes. There's gonna be some good infrastructure type changes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be this. Um, this generation is gonna be a little bit different. We were kind of questioning what was gonna be this jump from the last one. This one seems like we get a. Little, we're gonna see some different stuff. And that audio, man, if the audio is more of a of a revelation than like HD rumble, like, you know, these marketing terms or blast processing or whatever, if that 3D audio is legit, like we seem to get a tease from from that live stream. I love that, man. We're, we're audio people. I'm totally digging those headphones and everything. Oh, yeah. All right. You added this, sir, in pre-production. I had not heard about this story, but it's uh, pretty monumental. Yeah, this was uh, retweeted by Waro64. Um, this was from CNBC. Uh, we all don't know that uh, AT&T, a couple years back, purchased uh, Warner Brothers. I think they did for $100 billion. Uh, they also amassed, I think, uh, Warner Brothers was already $150 billion in debt. So they amassed that debt with it. Uh, this was all part of their plan since they were trying to, at this point, most people are trying to buy content instead of creating new content and the only people doing new content seems to be netflix and you can see how that is because that's a struggle sometimes you get stuff that people like but you got to cancel it because it doesn't bring in the viewers and then you have uh, a divided uh, fan base like that where you have people pissed that some things are canceled and they don't really go over why they do stuff so but you know right everybody's kind of secretive but that's neither here or there we could technically probably have a whole conversation podcast separately on uh, content creation but um <laughs> outside of that they um at, at some point, AT&T is in a lot of debt, so uh, they got purchased out by a hedge fund maybe six months ago. And the whole idea of the hedge funds, they bought they bought the shares for cheap. I, can't, I think it was under twenty dollars a share, or something like that. Their whole idea is to go in, reorganize uh, AT&T, and then resell their shares. They're not going to keep them. They're just trying to turn them for a quick profit. Probably right, like flip them, get rid of them. Yeah, basically, they, they've been pretty adamant about what they want to do in upfront. There's no hidden tactics. It's, that they're not going to keep them for long. Can't be shady of, if you're uh, shady from day one, right? Mm-hmm. So they kind of went in there, cleaned up house. They're getting a new CEO. They're they're pushing away from the the Dish Network deal because, uh, let's face it, satellite is not something that or not Dish Network, Directv, because uh, satellite's not really a realistic push anymore. You know, everybody's going to cut the cord. It would be better if they would have went more in, on the internet base. And but you know, their internet base is a little bit more rockier than. Uh, than a traditional cable or I don't I don't know anyone using Directv now. I haven't heard anybody pick that up and rave about it. Well, no, it's done. Remember, because you made that comment where you're like you were questioning if I downloaded AT&T now on your thing. I was like, no, they just went in there and just renewed AT&T now because they were like they were totally 
got rid of the direct TV aspect. They keep it separate. And yeah, I think uh, they not have made it a secret that they were trying to sell that off. And if they could, they would sell the dish network, but they can't because, you know, monopoly. But um, yeah, outside of that, I mean, that's, that goes more in more detail. So long to make a long story short, they're going so, through the whole aspect where they're, they're trying to uh, make money. So they're looking at their, what assets they own and what they want to roll with and keep and what they feel like they don't need. So they've already sold off their uh, book publishing. Um, they Warner media and they're trying to, I think they're already getting ready to sell off their music creation, Warner music. Uh, so now the next thing on there is they're, they basically, they haven't officially put it out there, but they're, that whole CNBC article goes into like, they put out some offers like, Hey, we're willing to sell our game company. We haven't, we're not doing it, but you know, we're looking at like four, it billion. could be on the table, you know, looking at 4 billion. We just want to kind of see if anybody's interested in that article mentioned that, uh, um, take two interactive electronic arts and Activision blizzard, uh, were the ones interested but there's no yeah. formal talks between any of them have have occurred so what properties are up for grabs it's got to be batman and the included in warner brothers right uh that would just probably be any licensing deals that at&t can probably lucrative off make lucrative money off of but no because all that would stay with warner brothers those properties are owned by warner so you would actually only get uh midway games which was uh, merged into warner brothers games uh uh well about a decade ago probably um oh god midway it was, then, an, it was an era. Yeah, because I think the last one we got was like, last real game we got from them was what? Uh, the Wheelman, which I think ended up being published by Ubisoft or something like that. Because remember, THQ. they never. Yeah. Yeah, and they never went through with it because they sold it before the end. Because uh, that and Spy Hunter, remember, they were like the last two and they were very similar games. One was like Ubisoft and the other one was like another publisher that ended up playing out those games. Um, so you get that. Uh, the biggest get will probably be the Mortal Kombat license and uh, NetherRealm Studios, which is probably the biggest thing. Uh, the other, uh, the other developer-wise, another big one would be Rocksteady, uh, who has made the Batman games. Right. You, would, you wouldn't per se control the Batman license, but you would get that studio. Uh, the other one would be Travelers. <laughs> I could just see Lego, the so. Lego games. Sorry to cut you off. I could just see the confusion now when when people are you know the uninformed buyer is super excited about the next Batman game, and it's not a it's not a Rocksteady joint mm-hmm. like um, Tomorrow Never Dies when people are so excited like this is the next James Bond title and it was not a GoldenEye two. Mm-hmm. That was when uh, EA had the license, right? Yep. When it finally went over to them. Dude, that was a really good story. Uh, one of the games I played coming up in games played was Perfect Dark, and there was this awesome article. Uh, Eurogamer had it. I wish I remember the guy. I thanked him on Twitter uh, on direct message, and he thanked me back for reading the article. But one of the things they covered was, you know, uh, GoldenEye came out so the game came out so much further after the movie uh, that by the time it was a success, and they were in talks, you know, um, whoever that license holder is, was it? Uh, yeah, Ion Productions or whatever it is. Yeah, but they were reaching out, you know, like, are you going to come? You want to do the next game? That kind of stuff, and. They already were kind of tired of the Bond universe. They spent so many years in it. And then uh, they got out to the Tomorrow Never Dies set, and they were just ignored the whole time. And it was it was this weird, like, I always wondered how, with all this success from Goldeneye, like, how did they not just funnel straight into this? And then uh, the Bond people thought that the game sold well because of the Bond license, not particularly because of uh, Rare's development in that studio. And they're coming back to him like, the movie came and went. It's not the Bond. It's not the Bond movie name. And the game came and went. 
Like this came out and then it didn't start selling. It was word of mouth because people want to play together. Like it's this big multiplayer thing. It wasn't a marketing push. I mean, it still got its it still got its momentum, but it was it was after the fact. It was well after the movie. It was well after it came out that it just word of mouth spread and it was played in dorm rooms and you know kids picked it up multiplayer and all this kind of stuff. And it was EA uh, or, or uh, not EA, but um, the Bond people just had other things in mind. It was like nope. We're gonna make Perfect Dark. We're gonna we're gonna take this same engine and modify it heavily and and create our own spin. I mean, you look at look at them now. I mean, they they've jumped around to different distributors. I mean, remember they now they went to MGM and then they went to Sony for that small stretch, and now this new one is uh through Universal Pictures. It's all about the money. So that's right. They don't. I mean, that production company is gonna jump around, which is weird because it fragments their uh, home releases and makes it a lot tougher to bundle all their movies together. But <laughs> I remember watching a uh, Sony Royale. It was one of my first Blu-rays, and it's like he's got a Sony Ericsson phone and the Vio computer, and uh, he's ripping the security footage to a Blu-ray disc. It was just like it was rapid-fire Sony stuff. Yeah, I think it's, it's why. Remember that Mark Cerny presentation? We both noticed that he had a Vio computer. Uh, I think it, it's product placement like that that I'm always looking for. And I had to look it up because I was like, I could have sworn they sold off their their brand. It's like they did sell off their brand, but they still own a good portion of it. Not a majority owner, but they own it. So I was like, okay, that makes sense why they're they um still have some way. Uh, they're kind of still pushing it out there. Yeah, it's a little bit different than the the whole uh, iPhone marketing and how they uh, iPhone ru- ruin movies for me now. So that bullshit that uh, I think was it Ryan Johnson came out there and clarified about uh, how you can tell the true villain of a film is based off the type of phone they use. So what? Well, I've never heard this. What? So he made knives out and you know, yeah. uh, apparently uh, if you, there's a deal with Apple, if you're a bad guy, you can't use an iPhone. They don't want to associate it with a villain. So if they are using, if you ever see somebody using an actual iPhone, they're not the villain in the film. Are you kidding me? No. Holy shit. Yeah. So if That's you, wild. So if you see somebody, they're all using iPhones, and one guy's using Android, you know who the bad guy is. So That's wild. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah. There's been other companies. Oh, man, there's a really good example. I can't... I can't come up with it. There's... There's one out there like that where they cannot have their product shown in a bad light, and they're just yeah. adamant about it. Yeah, that's why you always have a lot of movies. I guess if they want to keep people guessing, they'll they'll come up with their own weird knockoff company phones. So, <laughs> or like the GTA Five Lindsay Lohan knockoff girl with the like iFruit logo on her phone. Yeah, the half bitten apple. That was a <laughs> that was a good bit. There was a bit where you go into uh, an office setting in that game where you have to infiltrate a. A company that is Apple-esque with a Mark Zuckerberg-type character running it. And oh, great. The whole bit, you had to go in there and do it. And it's funny because like, he's like that whole uh, Steve Buscemi character. Where, like, uh, he dresses up like a kid. Like, how are you fellow kids doing? It's like you doing the same exact thing. You're trying to blend in with all these college uh, gra- uh, graduates and infiltrate the company. It's pretty funny. It's a, Fist it's a, bumping it, and... It's a good story bit where like he's like, oh, God, this is fucking stupid. And he's like going in here. <laughs> so, yeah. They're all sitting on these uh these ab rolling balls and everything. It's like I don't need a chair. I'm on the ab rolling ball. And they're like, it, it's very techy. It, it's making fun of that whole shit on there. It's pretty good fun. satire, like the Google Office and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's why GTA Five is like very up there. It was one of my favorite stories I ever played. There's a lot of memorable moments in that game. 
that uh, I never got far in that campaign. I, I need to pick that one back up and play it. Even with the what's his face, the other the other one, the other one was I forgot what his name is, but I still remember that scene where somehow he gets this whole bit about talking about penises, and then he pulls his pants off and you see his penis and it's dangling. And it's like it's not great, but it gets the job done. And he's like, <laughs> just, he just kept pointing at this other guy. And the other guy's, oh god, just put the pants up. And it's like, he's like no shame, just like it's job done. He's like, look at it. <laughs> I do remember them having crazy characters. So I'm just. It's almost as bad as that uh, one of those naked gun games where like I can't remember which one it was, but that that guy kept showing. He's like, look at this penis, look at this penis. It's like my wife left me because of this, and the guy's like, oh, and he kept tricking the what's his name into looking into his penis. Like, he's like, how does this look? He's like, what the fuck? And I'm trying to have a normal conversation. It's reminiscent of that. So, like the dude was so insecure that he just like every bit that he interacted with him in that movie, just he constantly just kept showing him. It's like. It consumed him. That's all he had. What do you think of this? <laughs> that was the first time. Yeah. Um, people have also noted, you know, with GTA Five coming out on another platform, it's like with the GTA is always known for like satire and parody. Like, how do you do that with these current conditions we have? Like how the world is now. It it is a parody of itself almost. Like how do you how do you make that entertainment again? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Is that it for news? Finally, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, because there's nothing really on there. There's nothing concrete. I mean, uh, outside of the you get control, like I said, of uh, more combat in the the Scribble Knots universe. I mean, that's pretty much what you get in that and whatever is in Midway. So, so there could be some news coming down the pipeline. Uh, I, it depends. I don't know who's going to spend four billion dollars to get Mortal Kombat. That's pretty much the highlight of that whole deal. Unless somebody will have to swing the deal, like. I don't. It wouldn't be beneficial for us, like Xbox or Sony, to get that because of the whole licensing thing, and you wouldn't hold on to them forever mm-hmm. for uh, like DC Comics. But it might be beneficial if they get their foot in the door for like uh, Rockstar Activision, like to get them in, like, hey, I, yeah, I get more combat, but I also get like give me exclusive rights to uh, every Batman game for the next ten years. You know, right? You know, lock lock that down. That thing. That's that would be the the most lucrative thing out of that deal is what can you get out of licensing out of that? So piggyback on that other deal. And I, I, right now, I don't know. I mean, it could work with EA. You get a couple, a couple of new studios to handle making those licensed games. They're kind of lacking studios. Same thing with 2K. Same thing with Activision because they already went through and closed up a lot of their studios to handle the very little licensing they do have or they, they do want to work with. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, the bad thing about it is you probably get every, everybody would be closed down, but uh, another realm. And EA probably... was known for killing everybody for years. You know, they would just take a Bioware or something and just rag them out. And Bioware was shuttering along. Yeah, I mean, by that point, Bioware's already left. Everybody that mm-hmm. started with that company. So. Yep. But yeah, that's it for news. Let's go into games played. I'll lead us off because uh, I think my last game I'll touch on will be the one that you played the most. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, myself in front of the show, Russell played through Perfect Dark. Uh, we were getting a hankering for that for the 20th anniversary. We played the campaign and multiplayer over and over and over and over back in the day. So this this is one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, we had a Twitter war with a uh, friend of the show, Dale, was a couple months ago now, about GoldenEye versus Perfect Dark. <laughs> we're all firmly in the Perfect Dark camp, so... 
hopefully Dale will see the, see the light before too long. But Russell and I play the campaign on um, – uh, so there's Agent. There's uh, – I think it's Double Agent. It's not Double Agent on that one. That's Secret Agent. And then there's Perfect Agent. That's how they break it down on that one. So it's similar tiers to, to GoldenEye but without that bond spin. So we played it on Secret Agent. Uh, Russell and I both read that article that I, that I mentioned from Eurogamer. And um, this game was ahead of its time, man. And, and they mentioned in the article, and I was like, well, I remember the story being pretty good. And like, I remember some of the encounters still. I forget games all the time, but Perfect Dark has always stuck out. But when you pick those difficulty levels, you get all these extra objectives. And they may not necessarily be linear. Like you could complete... Uh, objective four before you get to one and and all around and we played on that middle difficulty to kind of find a middle ground because that basically the the agent difficulty is just clear the hallway so if you want to play that way go through the level uh i say clear the hallway but there's some pretty wide open spaces for that game and uh but that second tier like you'll see things you're like where does that ladder go and it's closed off and stuff like that and it opens up depending on that difficulty level you set and man, the campaign was a blast. We had so much fun playing through it. Um, we got hung up on the last level. The last level killed us over and over and over because we started figuring out that if one person dies, when they respawn, you take a good bit of the health of the other person. So we were just like knocking ourselves back each time. So we tried to start getting like we perfected. <laughs> we could probably write a fact for that last level on uh, secret agent difficulty because we've got it down to a T like all right, you run up here, come back. It'll kite these two Skeetar enemies in your direction. And uh, we just had it down to a science, man. But the the music is phenomenal. It's uh, Grant Kirkhope. I think David Wise worked on it a little bit, and there's one other composer. Um, graphics are gorgeous. We were playing on – I was playing on the 1X. He was playing on the 1S. So we're playing the, the 360 remaster upscaled. Uh, Netcode was fine. Um not a lot of achievements in that game, and that was surprising because I figured it, when we beat the, I've never beat the campaign on that remaster, and we beat the campaign. Not only beat it, we beat it on Secret Agent Co-op. Like, all right, something's gonna pop, and we got nothing. And there's only like ten achievements for that game. So, and there's a it's, it's one interesting of those arcade ones before they because they it capped was. arcade ones at 250 before they opened up the full thousand. That explains it. That's and it never got rectified then. So I wonder if I wonder if playing the rare replay version would have any difference. I think you get more achievements on the replay one because I think there's 4,000 achievement points in that replay collection. We might should have done that one. Um, game looks gorgeous, like I said. I was playing on the X and he was playing on the S. And uh, I've actually played Master Chief Collection side by side a couple times like that since then. And there is there's a difference in that one X and the and the one S. But when you can see them side by side, like I remember what you were saying. Now when you'd come over, you'd see like Panzer Dragoon Ordo on my one S. You're like it's not it's not there it looks good but it's not it's not what it could be and that that one x is a beast man it Mm -hmm. it really makes those old school games look awesome it's like we talk ourselves into the series x every time we talk about all these backwards compatible games and stuff but perfect dark still holds up uh it definitely benefits by the two stick configuration on current consoles versus uh or you know just 360 xbox one versus the 64 music's great the level variety is awesome there's a couple Go ahead. Versus the Switch recreation with the weird-ass uh, analog buttons. Right. Or uh, I think you could plug in two controllers on the 64 and just hold two controllers and do it that way mm-hmm. to get dual analog control. Uh, mission variety was cool. There were some frustrating things, but it's it's game design of its time. The game's from, like, 99 or 2000 or something like that. 
Story still holds up really good. Uh, we have not. We've downloaded Perfect Dark Zero because I want to give it another shot. Just go straight into it because I've, I've had a long history of hating on that game, especially on this podcast. I played it like earlier this year, and that's that's an ugly ass game. It's not just ugly. It's just what I remember. It is not fun at all. And I was is one of the reasons I bought a 360. So it has that that weight behind it. It has that magnitude. Yeah, but we also got Cameo. So. Game. We did. That was the other game I picked up. I got that and Call of Duty 2. And those were both great titles versus Perfect Dark Disappointment. Call of Duty 2 was just me constantly dying in the very beginning. <laughs> were you part me, of that? Go ahead. Gives me that gives me that weird-ass uh, inspirational quote of me dying going back and trying it again. From some president? <laughs> 20 yeah. hours an hour. Uh, were you part of that Walmart run when they got that 360 kiosk unit? And uh, I know me and Bernard and Strop were there. Did you did you go to Walmart, that Stockbridge Walmart, to see when they set up that 360? No. I think we had gotten off work and somebody had told us they had one. And we went and watched, uh, like, they had a Call of Duty montage or something that you could watch. And, like, the smoke effects on that game, they still look good pushing off of that 360. But uh, it, that was next gen for us. It was playing on a Bravia. Did they have a Bravia set up for the 360? That'd be something. I almost want to say it was though that demo TV. Microsoft wouldn't care, I'm sure. Uh, uh, I don't know. Remember, in the very beginning, it was Microsoft branded TVs on the kiosk. Then they went away with it and actually went with the uh, real TVs. I have a uh, original Microsoft Xbox retail kiosk. That has a Microsoft branding on the front, but it's actually a Panasonic model. So it might have been a Panasonic uh, flat screen of some sort of that era. But HD TVs weren't common. Like we didn't have one at home. So when I saw it in store and HD and all that, I was like, oh my God, this is next generation. It was one of those type moments. Uh, the other game I've been playing a lot of is Halo Master Chief Collection. Uh, the crew that I've, I've been running with with that, we're still playing just about every Friday night and Saturday night. I think they might be on right now but uh saturday night's definitely our jam we go from like nine o'clock to like two or three in the morning if you're hankering for some halo definitely join us sir i, I should have been extending you an invite anyways no you're fine man yeah well normally i'm up at 2 a.m to hit the gym at 3 a.m if i'm gonna do the gym i have to uh i have i have a very limited window after 5 a.m i can't go because it's gonna be yeah. too many people uh we play one set of well one set of my friends prefers halo 4 which i refer to as halo of duty and i'm not a fan of that one and then uh the other group was always down for some old school including uh friends of the show dale and jeremy I was, so we uh, definitely get down with some two and three i was waiting for you to say like halo war or something like that halo war halo war halo of duty call of halo no b-o-r-e halo war halo war that can't do we need to beat five as we get closer and closer to infinite i'm wanting to play five so bad we need to knock it out and it's short too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably should knock it out before uh, the July show because I think we're gonna get a huge uh, infinite dump. So let's play it soon. Let's figure out. Let's at least figure out what he's doing in space at the start of that infinite teaser. Let's knock it out. He's oh, he always might. in space. He's always cl- sleeping. That's what I do. I fucking just in my room sleeping. Like my Elder Scrolls time. games. Elder Scrolls games. You start out in jail. Halo games. You start off asleep. They wake you up. Um, the last game on my list is Xenoblade Chronicles. I am five and a half hours into this game, which is pretty good for me. I'm at uh, the point I always get to in the game, so we'll see if I keep going from here. But I know you beat the game. Uh, I've been bouncing some things off of you, and you were right. Your biggest tip was, because I was, I was getting my ass kicked in the beginning. In that first cave you go to, I was trying to fight everything. 
and you just don't you don't have the right equipment to start off. They they've taught you how to fight, and they they kind of send you on this fetch quest to start off with uh, to get the ether cylinders. Remember, mm-hmm. and then um, and the game kind of kicks off from there. But when I got the Monado, that's when the strategy really kicked in. And the things that I was frustrated about that I was I was texting you about. You know, I, I can't topple people. I can't break. I can't get these things done, and I feel like it's just handing me my ass. I'm past that. It's clicking now. I've got these right combos going. We're chaining attacks together. We're building the attacks off of each other. Um, I love that it auto plays. Like, uh, you know, Final Fantasy 12 gets knocked for this, but the auto, the just the regular attack, it just goes ahead and goes and lets you manage the battle from there and build up those chain attacks because that's where that's where the meat of the real the real gameplay is. And you're always uh, loving how uh, Shulk is always really feeling it and. And Ryan's always a uh, bunch of jokers. Yeah, he's uh, so motivated and pumped. Fucking, I I have that match in my memory every throughout the rest of the game. I'm really feeling it. I'm really feeling. That's good, Shulk. I'm really Ryan, feeling it. Ryan's like, let's not get in our heads, shall we? Yeah. Right is The characters are good. The story's dark. Like people, people die, but it's not like casual you know okay they went off camera like they get murdered this one dude got a tank dropped on his head uh there's a major character in the beginning that uh she gets just impaled and the the creature has like blood dripping from his claws it's there's some darkness to it man it yeah the story on there doesn't it it starts out like that where it it does it there's a there's a point halfway through the game where it just kind of just and it reminds me a lot like chrono cross where you have that whole flip of the script where you go a surge, and then you you finally get to that villain, and, and it's a whole uh, parallel dimensions, and and he he switches bodies with you, and then he kills you in your old body that he switches with you, like the the leopard body, and then you're like you're in a different dimension, and and it's like it's like another parallel universe where you know he, he's not the bad guy, and it's like it's it, it that this this guy has a knack for doing stuff like this, this director, and it's just it's very similar to that because like you get to the halfway point. And what you've been doing is it, it, it's not what you you thought you were doing. That'll be and cool because there's there's still a lot of mystery and intrigue in the in the story now. Like I don't know I don't know a lot about anything. There's it just it leads you along in the in the story. Breadcrumbs. It's um it it does it does a whole uh it follows the same things like Xenogears where you know the whole the whole complex of uh you know human beings interacting with gods and. Like, you know, because, you know, you get that whole story about the Bionis and the Conus and Yeah. So, I mean, it's that whole same thing on there where it, uh, it does that touch on there. But it go, I think it goes a little bit deeper. I think he does a little bit better with it this time. It's not as sloppy. Uh, story-wise, it, it's very good. It, there, I mean, there's a point in the uh, halfway point in the game where you thought what you're doing was right, and it wasn't. You were doing the wrong thing the whole time. Like I said, you'll see. And it's like um, it, and you don't see it happening until it, until it shows it to you. Very and, cool. Kind of throws you on your head. So uh, I do see some similarities, like um, uh, like Final Fantasy VII in there sometimes, where you know they have a like the main character does like a kind of self searching, kind of like how yeah. Cloud did, and you know try to figure out you know what he's going to do in life. Similar similar ways where they go into their own minds and create these weird aspect spaces and stuff like that. So it, it's it's a fucking classic, man. It's just. I think this is the best way to play it. Uh, I think it was gameplay wise, it was fine. It just, it just looks a lot better. This one, it just, it flows with that aesthetic. I think that world looks better in this, this anime-ish type thing that they kind of discovered in Xenoblade Chronicles Two. 
It's gorgeous, so. man. I'm I'm playing. Uh, I'm documented on this podcast as saying the the charger, the TV thing for the Switch is just a charger. But I'm playing a lot on the TV with the Pro Controller, and it's that's a gorgeous, gorgeous game, man. I have no complaints. Mm-hmm. There's some weird textures, like you'll see some holdover textures sometimes, but it's not anything that's ever so jarring that it's like that is ugly, you know. Um, the pop in doesn't seem bad. I met Gower. Is it Gower Plains right now? Gower Plains, yeah. Yep, that's where I just got to. Uh, I helped the kid with the the speeder bike, and Juju. Um, yep, Juju and his mom Sherla. Uh, met... Sharla is his older sister. Yep, sister. That's it. And uh, I literally just saw that part like two hours ago. So it's fun, man. I finally got to hang a combat. When you get when it clicks, finally, it's like, all right, I got this now. Like I can, yeah. I can do this. And I'm, fair- I'm, the system is awesome. Like I'm, I'm, I'll break an enemy, then I'll move to the side, and then I'll go to the back. And by then, uh, Ryan has already done his thing, and it just, mm-hmm. it clicks, man. There's a rhythm to it that just, it helps. Is good. It helps because it shows you the exclamation points, like, hey, this is your chance to hit the side shot, hit this back yep. shot, and yep. a lot of times, like you're in the right hold- spot. You hold the right trigger. I'll usually go tell them to go all out. That way they can sit there because the enemies are based off how, how much damage they do in attack. So if your AI is doing a lot of damage, then they'll be distracted with them. And at that point, it gives you the freedom to move around to the side, to the back. Open you don't have the aggro. Attack. Okay. Yeah. That way, because you'll open up with a strong attack. It's going to go based off whoever does the most HP damage that enemy's going to turn to them. So what gotcha. I've noticed is that I kind of just leave some of my AI to the front attacking and then I'll run to the back, do my attacks and it's going to swap over and they're going to do the same thing. It's going to swap back and then you're just doing constant uh, damage and it helps with the flow of uh, combat. And then when you do the, um, what they call like that Trinity attack where it kind of yeah. stops and where you can control. Oh, all the it. chains are awesome, man. Yeah, I'm just chain, like, yeah. all right, everything slowed down. The, the screen looks really cool. The animations get like really in the zone. It's, it's hard to describe, but the whole frantic pace of the game slows down, and you're just in this god mode all of a sudden. And if you pick the right chains together, man, you just you do crazy damage. They banter back and forth. It's awesome. Yeah, because it's like you said, it's like it's mostly similar to like a Final Fantasy XII S, and that point it goes mm-hmm. straight to like turn based, like an old school RPG mm-hmm. where it just goes. You can take as long as you want. Yep. Sit and decide how you want to do it because there's certain ways where you can. Do the break and then go into topple and then do uh, the attack where you somebody's already toppled to continue even more damage. So it kind of strategizes depending on your, your team and how you set up their attacks. So you have a good team and you have it where they can do topple and do max damage. I mean, there's one where I think uh, later on in the game where I'm constantly just... It gives you a chance to press the B button to continue the attack. And I'm, I think I've gone like five or six rounds just going through there and decimating an enemy, taking off like 200,000 HP. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, it gets fun later on. So, I see that. It's good now, man. It, it finally clicks. Like like I said, I just had to put time in and, and kind of learn that battle system a little bit. There's The game is so deep. There's so many systems. There's so many tutorials. Oh, um, uh, the Collectopedia, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can get, like, bits of grass and bugs and uh, flowers and things like that that are, are scattered about each area, and you can add them to your Collectopedia, and it gives you, like basically materia for weapons and you can plug these attributes like hp up and poison um you know poison damage uh minus 10 percent and and things like that and you can really customize those character builds that's been fun and the collectopedia seems to be the best way to get those attributes so that that'd be one of my tips for listeners who might who might be playing xenoblade chronicles on switch i guess we probably should have said that yeah or on wii or on 3ds 
As, yeah, I think somebody had made the the comment saying that it, it took them to combine the 3DS one and the Wii one to finally make the right one. So whatever it takes, make a portable and home version and put it on the Switch. I'm but, playing uh, a I'm playing a 4K uh, 60 frame per second version of Perfect Dark and loving every minute of it. So sometimes it takes a couple builds. And that that the music is great throughout the whole game, especially it's very every song. Very different too, because you forget it's from uh, Yoko Shimomura, uh, who does uh, Kingdom Hearts. You wouldn't tell it's from her at all. It's gorgeous, man. That yeah. OST is beautiful. Beautiful. They went, they went in there and they remastered it. And you can do the original one, or you can do the remaster with uh, there's there's just some on there where they have a choir in there, and there's certain areas where you get later on in the game where it's just. It's, it's great. You get different music during the day and the nighttime. Sometimes I just go in there and prefer to, when I went to the swamp area, I just kept putting on the nighttime because I had the whole uh, choir in the background singing on that one. It's very awesome. low and melodramatic, yeah. That's awesome. It's good, man. I'm digging it. A lot of fun. Uh, not to ruin the story or anything for me, but am I close to getting a third character? I really liked having three people in my party. Am I about to get somebody? Yeah, you're right there. I'm in that camp with uh, Charlotte and Juju. You're gonna get a third person within the next hour or two okay i think i'm on chapter four if i remember and then um seeing it on there after that after next after you notice after every next major area or next major chapter as you go through you'll get another party member until i think it's the maximum of the seven seven party members. oh cool yeah i'll have a i'll have a choice between them at that point Yes, yeah. There's not a lot. There's you can even take out Shulk and not even use him at all as your main party. You can actually switch him out with uh, somebody else. Just an FYI. Does the Monado go to somebody else? No, I think he just shows up for the story bits. But um, oh, speaking of story bits, like whatever armor you put them in, like crazy hats, or I had both of my guys in swimsuits because that was the best armor I had at the yeah. time, and uh, they look goofy, but uh. That was the best armor they had, but it shows in cutscenes and everything. It's yeah. it's super polished, man. The polish on this is just so it's gorgeous. What's funny is that uh, I think I it noticed my save file from Xenoblade Chronicles two, and it gave me an uh, extra bonus. It gave me like a I got more money too, yeah. a bunch of other bullshit or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. I bought it the uh, the highest strongest armor I could in the game for Shulk, and it was like some kind of looks like a Legend of Dragoon armor. He was like wearing these uh, it looks like Legend of Dragoon. Okay. armor and it had a cutscene with uh, Fiora and like every time he he goes to that game later on and they reference that scene it's always him in that armor even though I'm wearing something else now so it's like it's still even That's in the crazy. flashback and it's showing like the gray tint in the flashback it's still in that original whatever happened in that event it recorded it and just it continued to show it as uh, what happened so. That's awesome I'm very impressed this is a uh, I've started this on both of those other platforms so I'm very impressed with this Switch remaster. Yeah, I'm done. I finished it. I, I think I did the main story in 80 hours, and then I'm in the connected future right now. Uh, I think I got like three or four hours into that. So, where does it rank in your in your all-time RPGs? Is it is it up there in the list? It's probably my Florida with the top five. It's maybe five or wow. six around there. Yeah. Wow. It it it. It pulled me in like it had. It pulled me in like it was like a PlayStation RPG back in the day. Where when I was playing, I remember when I was playing Xenogears. Xenogears pulled me in, even though the ending kind of got convoluted. But uh, this they one ran it, out of budget or time or something on that one, so they kind of had to cobble that second disc together, if I remember right. Yeah, and it got really weird where they didn't explain stuff properly. This one it, it did fine. I think it 
I think it struggles a little bit in the ending in this one where it was really well paced until the ending where kind of it, it just kind of goes to the end game, which is fine. And the ending works. It's just the transition. It's like my biggest complaint was I went, I got into the whole field. And I'm playing in a normal. I got in the whole field where I, I went into a new area. I don't think I did every quest, but I did enough quests on there where it boosted my experience level where I had enough experience to go through the the boss parts of those uh, chapters and then going mm-hmm. to the next one where I'm not felt like I was overwhelmed every time. Right. But you get to the point where you get towards the end of the game where the world kind of changes and you don't, and a lot of stuff happens and you don't get the quests in there. So I'm like, I'm, I, there was like a four level, four level gap between the next boss and I was struggling because I was like, yeah. All right, let me go to the next boss. And they were wiping me out. And I'm like, I was like, well, I need to do what move up levels. And it's like, they gave you fucking in game quests at the, at the end. So it's like, you know, do this and you'll get this. And it's like, all right, cool. And I did the first couple because the first couple bosses were around my level. And then it's like, all right, you need one item to complete your quest. And it's like, I'm level 75 and the next item is from an enemy that's like level 90. And it's like, damn, they're red. And if they're red, you're not going to do damage unless you have high agility. So, I mean, you can do damage on a red character, but you have to sit there and go through and get every one of those gems and knock your gen- agility up all the way up before. Because if you don't... Gotcha. You're gonna attack. It's gonna say miss, 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 miss. It won't even connect. Now the only the only people who can do damage will be anybody who can use uh, magic, and there's not uh, a lot of people on your team who can do that. So, and that's basically just you trying to survive long enough for somebody to whittle down magic <laughs> on their on their life, and then just hoping that they don't die. So, it sounds like it stays pretty deep all the way through the system yeah. system wise. I think that was the only part was like towards the very end when you did the final three bosses and the final boss. It's like it just kind of killed it for me because it didn't have enough enemies for me to sit there and constant i had to like look for enemies so i can level up and it just made it a little bit more tor- terrific on it for me and i'm like eh. how long did you have to grind there at the end how many how much how many hours would you say they padded basically uh probably about another three or four maybe that i had to sit there and kind of like to the to the point where i got all right i got it to the the level gap i need to get to and after that That's it's not a very big level gap because as you go after you beat that first boss it starts the final set of bosses it kind of the enemies you fight kind of picks up on there. So you'll see when you get to it. It's like there's like one little bit where it's not a lot of enemies. I did a lot of the quests already, so all of my all of my high level quests are all that's left because there's certain parts in the game that you get that you lose access to based off the story. So if you don't go in there and do the quest by then, those quests are gone forever. So that's an interesting uh, twist. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of quests in there. The the very beginning, as soon as you go into an area, you go you'll find people with the exclamation points. The quest they give you is going to be for money, which is great because that's what you'll need to purchase any new equipment or any new magic spells because they sell the, the higher level magic spells. Because uh, you only get the beginning level spells, you learn those as you go through and you level up. But there's intermediate and there's advanced, and those you can't learn. You have to buy a book to learn intermediate, and those are sold in shops and they're pretty expensive. And then the advanced ones is uh, you've probably seen. Um, in the game, you'll see these uh, characters with these electric attributes, these uh, enemies, which mm-hmm. are like uh, higher-level versions of the uh, enemy that you fight. Uh, and they usually play like a more like bo- boss-ish type music. is very different. Um, There's it, some big fucker running around on Gower paint, planes. It looks like a giant raccoon-looking thing. Yeah. And I targeted him just to see he's like level 76, and I think I'm 13. It, Everybody's 13 or 14. It's not that bad. It's like if you go in the cave and you fight a vampire and all the vampires are around 13 and you're 13, you'll find like a boss vampire that's like 15. And yeah. it has uh, higher uh, statistics. It's like a, it does more damage. So they give you an affinity coin. The affinity coin is what you use to um, 
level up your skill sets. So like uh, okay. when you when you go into your skill tree, because there's skill trees that each person has, and that gives you a different attribute where you can wear uh, higher level armor or there's one that Chalk might be like, okay, on the skill tree, you get more experience, and then Ryan might have in his skill tree, you get more defense. And you can yeah. use these affinity coins to link up these skills to each character so that way you can use those attributes for everybody. Okay. So like, I don't think I've used a lot of those because I keep getting the affinity coins. Like, I see them. Yeah. Yeah, they're in there. Up. there. If you go into your main menu, you'll see a skill list and you'll see arts. And that's two separate aspects you need to do on there. Arts is something different where you get gotcha. points for arts that you use to level up your attacks. But you can only go up to uh, easy. And then you get intermediate, you buy from shops. And then the advanced you get from these bosses. And you get more of them okay. in the game where you can max out your, um, your attacks. So you don't have to have them, but it does help. Because I, I think... I have a character who does like a headshot that takes off like 10,000 HP each shot now. So it's like, yeah. But Not yeah, bad. I've played that game enough where I can, I can do some real damage now. So. You helped me, man. I was, I was struggling there in the beginning. I'm like, all right, it's kicking my ass, but I'm getting experience. It's, I'm just running in here and letting these caterpillars wreck me. It's it, they, they, it, what it is is they don't tell you that. It's like they show you the mechanics of the game, but at that point they're so underpowered. Yeah. where they're at it's like they really want you like just to run through and push through and then as soon yeah. as you get the monado it changes everything that's it's what like, you told me to do and it, it clicked like, after that the monado it's like uh it's like all right this is the, that's the way you're supposed to play it because that because before then like they're not really strong fighters so it's like mm-hmm. if you get up to an enemy that's a level higher than you it's going to be a grind it's like you just in there like i'm just sitting here for the last five minutes attacking the same guy with the same moves and he's not yeah. killing us i can see his life going down slowly this this sucks well, they, they build it into the story because Ryan works for the Defense Force and Shulk helps uh, – what's his name? It's not Dunbin. Uh, Dixon. Dixon. He helps Dixon in the lab. He's not a soldier. And Ryan even tells him, he's like, you're not a fighter. So they build that into the story. And I, So what I was doing, like what I do with RPGs, I'm like, all right, I'll take everything out in the area. I'll build up my level that way, and then I'll move to the next area. And you cannot do that with this game. You can work on – and it lays everything out in the map. It either shows you, all right, this thing's big as hell, like that thing on Gower Plains. That's big as hell. Don't touch it. Or it puts it off the path from you, like in that Tefra cave that I keep referencing. You don't go through the caterpillars because they're way overpowered. You go up this other like path and go over and around them, so you don't even you don't even fight them. You don't even uh, encounter them. I mean, there's, there's, a, I, there's an actual quest later on though. They want you to go through the caterpillars. So okay. I mean, there's there's stuff on there like. It, so what you want to do, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead, and I'll let you finish your point, and I'll go in there. I don't want to... No, that that was the main thing, and then uh, I've gotten good at kiting uh, enemies. Like, I'll pick one out of the bunch and hit lure and start backing up and just bring them to me, and then, you know, I'll get one of them, and then I'll go get the other one and pull them out instead of fighting 50 at one time. So my advice to you, what I've learned and what I should have done was uh, I should have na- activated expert mode. Expert mode kind of breaks the game a little bit. So if you go into um, your start menu and go to the save settings, I've seen it in there. there. You yeah. can turn on expert mode where you can you can lower your level manually. So like you can go in there and use your main party. So like let's say you're up to 15, and you're in an area where most of the enemies are like 12 or 13. You can go in there and lower your level down to 10, and then go through and then just fight those enemies and then build up experience and then I'll jump your level up even higher because then you can reapply that experience afterwards later. And so uh, you'll because right. what it is is you'll get more experience because you're going it's you get more experience beating them at level ten than you would be at fifteen because you're a lower level, but it doesn't do away with the experience you have already earned. You know what I mean? It puts it in the pool. 
Right. You can re-add that pool on there, which jumps your level even higher. So it's kind of game breaking, but it does help you to that. I was just doing that at certain areas. That way you're not grinding at the end of the game when you're trying to finish the story. Because there's a point at the end of the game, like, all right, I know I want, all right, this is all fun. And now I want to see what happens. And that's where it got irritated for me. I think if I got to that point, I would just put on casual mode and just wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah. Or you could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't think about that. I didn't want to, because I, yeah, I, I didn't think about that. But yeah, you could do expert mode too, and that'll help. Uh, later on and just uh, then kind of skip all the grinding stuff that stops all the grinding right you know, go back and level up bullshit but but yeah that works too you can also do casual mode and just go through and do the story experience the story because the story's good man oh man it's it doesn't doesn't play out anything like it starts out as it does I'm not excited for that. it's cool it is it is fucking like it, that guy knows what he's doing it's like fucking chrono trigger those other games where then he's made You're, you're comparing oh. it to greatness. You're comparing it to Trigger, or, Cross, Seven, Xenogears. I mean, it's the same same team, same guy. So, uh, but um, yeah, because it's like it, it starts off with it seems like it's small and it turns into this whole big thing. But yes, yeah, he has a niche for doing the same type of story. But it's, it's interesting how he keeps it interesting every time. So it's like it starts off to like these small small bits of these characters, and then it grows into this whole universe thing where like oh, nothing's what it seems. So. Like you thought it was going to be. The game doesn't end like you thought it was going to end. I, I can tell you that much. So. That is exciting. All right, sir, we've been talking about games for uh, quite some time. Are you ready to wrap this one up? Yep. Thank you for being able to reconvene. Uh, listeners, sorry it's been so long since we were able to get something out. There's uh, all kinds of stuff going on. So we're glad we could uh, get together this week and knock it out. We'll have to figure out next week's schedule, you and I. See where we stand on that. Uh, depends. I will be indisposed Thursday. Uh, depends what time I get home on Friday. I won't work Friday. so Maybe we can do something next Friday. Go ahead and put this one out and then wait for next Friday. Possibly. It's just, man, it's hard at the end of the day. Like I'm, I'm tired at the end of the day. I'm like, nope. It, it depends because at that point I'll be uh, peeing the bag, so it just depends how much pain I am. Right. That because sounds based, based off my good. doctor. Based off my doctor, he said it would be an immense amount of pain. He oh God! At time, he said it. He wasn't gonna lie and sugarcoat it to me. He said it was gonna be one of the worst pains I ever had felt in my life. So. Oh God! All right, so we look forward to hearing that from Cesar next week. <laughs> yeah, I may not be in the mood, so it's, it just all depends. But uh, thank you guys for for joining us this week. Uh, we got off to kind of a somber start. It was it was not fun to talk about, but uh, we got there and, and got our stance out there and and our thoughts on everything going on. Uh, I was gonna say find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but what is happening with Facebook? They will not approve our account for some reason. What is happening? Oh, uh, I logged in Facebook. They said I will never be approved. I've been banned. Are you serious? Yeah, I sent them my uh, driver's license, and they said something. I don't know what it was, but they said I, they made the decision that they would not allow me on that platform, and they're not going to reverse it. There's nothing they can do. I was like, all right, whatever. I was like, so how do we get that at no podcast page back? Can we you, close? You would have to uh, create one under your name for whatever okay. reason. I, yeah. For whatever reason, I'm blacklisted. It doesn't. Okay. They think they think I'm a bot or something like that, and they're just like. 
even though I, even though I sent them my driver's license with all my information, they still didn't take it, and they said their decision is final, and they were not reverse it. So there's literally no way for me to get on Facebook with my real name. So that means basically I'm banned from Facebook. I can't get on there because it's basically it doesn't matter what email address I have on there. As soon as I created it within my other email address, this account's been disabled immediately. It's just based off. Oh my wow. Name. So I don't know what's going on with that. And I don't, at this point, I'm not even going to fight. I'm like, whatever. Like, okay. I, you don't want me on there? You don't want me on there? I, I'm All not right. going to argue about it. So we'll just drop back and punt and restart from there since I so, do think we need to be on that platform. I agree. And I, I looked at the idea that you had, like, do a generic name. And because uh, I was looking at I went to a website. I was like, all right, how to get your podcast on Facebook as a platform. Yeah. You had you have to have a real person. It's required. It's like you okay. can't. They won't let you do a, a page without somebody tying to it. Because I was like, well, maybe we can do something without having to tie it to somebody. They're like, right. no, the, fir- the first step is you have to have a, be a real person on the Facebook. And then from there, you can create uh, a page that, that page for your brand. Okay. Uh, the, only, the only thing I probably should have did was I probably should have populated my Facebook with real photos of me and something instead of me just like, because I closed it off immediately. Yeah. And I guess, I guess I threw up a red flag for them. Red like, flag. Oh, why'd he close it off and just open up this thing on here? Yeah. So I probably should have just left it open and just not looked at it. You know what I mean? And yeah. Just let people send me shit and just not even pay attention to it. You know? Because and- I have us ready to stream. Like when we're able to get back together and start mm-hmm. streaming regularly and everything, I've got it set up to where it just goes. It's going to go to Mixer. It's going to go to YouTube. It's going to go to Facebook Live. It's going to go to Twitch. It's just going to go. So as soon as we get that platform added, we'll we'll be there. And mine could be because you know I'm, my name is similar to my father, so I don't know if it's probably because you know he he had a Facebook account too and he 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 deleted his, and yeah. it could be because where our names are similar, it might be throwing up red flags because we got different email addresses and and they just suck at it. Could and, be. Um, but it's like at the end of the day, you don't want me on your platform. That's fine. I was trying to do it legit legitimately, and you're acting like I'm trying to not to and I'm trying to undermine it, and I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. They don't even give me a way to even argue with them. They're like, the decision's final. There's nothing you can do to reverse it. They said, we will not reverse it. I'm like, well, outside of me going on TV and telling them, like, hey, let me on your platform, and I'm not going to do that. So, <laughs> hey, We'll figure it out. We'll get our no podcast page up there. But uh, you can also find this podcast on Spotify. Uh, iTunes. Google Play. Overcast. SoundCloud, our host. And Stitcher. iHeartRadio. That's it. And RSS feed, you tell us. I was drawing a blank. Yeah, <laughs> you tell us. Find our RSS feed somewhere. Uh, you apparently searched for no podcast and Jim Ryan at some point, and it said he's been a guest on our show. <laughs> Isn't that what that was? Yep. Oh, man. Guests. Po- podcast Ryan. with Jim Ryan. Yep. We're we featured. Yeah. We're featured as an exclusive we got his, podcast uh, that Jim Ryan's been a guest on. It's weird uh, college, college photo in there with it, too. <laughs> Oh, his generic, his generic Sony paint version. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't take very good pictures too, so don't feel bad, Jim Ryan, if you actually are listening to us. So, I had a picture of you on our Facebook page that we were trying to get promoted, and never could at the Halo event we went to last year. God, they, that feels like twenty years ago. They, they've let, they sit there and let Russian bots sit there and undermine elections so for so long, but immediately as soon as I go on there and we try to do a legit thing, they're like, nope, knock it down. Yeah, Russian but, bots, uh, racist, child molesters, everybody yeah. else, and they won't let us uh, put a video game podcast page up. It's like they had, it's like they had that fucking picture of me, like don't let this guy on this platform ever again. They're like, nope, the bitch is back, knock him down. The when MCA. you submitted, 
when you submitted, all these sirens went off yeah. and your face was like up on all the boards and everything. I was already irritated. I had to put my driver's license on there and they had to like reassure me that it was going to be deleted as soon as they uh, verified it. And I'm like, I, I just thought it was funny. It's like we went out reverse the decision. I'm like, I don't know what else more I could do to prove that it's me. But I was like, all right, whatever. I was, you just got <laughs> registered. You just got documented in the, the Zucker yeah. book. <laughs> you know who you really are. I'm like, all right. My birth certificate says otherwise. But okay. <laughs> Nothing I can do here. I am. Yeah, right. that's, that's it. It's like, um, I don't know if I ever told you the story or not. I ever said this bit where, you know, um, my name is very similar to uh, a baseball player like Dave Concepcion. And um, yeah. I think we were on a Skype meeting at work and somebody was giving me hell because they thought I wasn't a real person. They're like, they thought I was being funny and using the Concepcion name like a baseball player and thought I was being slick or something like that. And the guy's like, you're not even that real person, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I told him, I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. This is me. This is my real name. <laughs> That's what I told him. He came back and apologized later. He's like, I thought it was just somebody playing around because like he said they had a lot of people on there like Homer Simpson or Darth Vader. And he, he thought it was just somebody who was trying to be like smart and do something a little bit more like. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a mad baseball fanatic, right? Yeah. And I'm not knocking uh, your cousin, Dave Concepcion. Yeah. But wouldn't you have picked like Hank Aaron or King Griffey or somebody? Why would you have done like a, a, a deep... Like a far dive on Dave Concepcion. It was him and some other guy. They thought that somebody was evolving and trying to like get like trying to you know they were actually going about the next level. uh, Yeah, they just uh, I just remember them giving me hell about my name and I'm like I I was like I I just remember typing back like I don't know what you want me to do. This is my name. (laughs) I was born this way. I'm the second second one. Yeah, I'm not even the OG. He came back and apologized. I don't think he's ever done that again. I think they kind of learned their lesson after that, but it's like, um, you know, some you know some people just assume people are just going to try to pull a fast one on you, and they just that's what it was. And instead of just looking at the situation, like, oh, if I looked at it, maybe you know, you know, this is might be, I might be too deep in my head, thinking, you know. But I just thought it's funny because that's the second time it's happened to me. We're like, you know, who you really are. I'm like, all right, I can't make this up. This is me. <laughs> it's a camera. I don't know what you want me to do. I can provide all the documentation. This is me. Even Facebook decided it wasn't me. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I unless I take a picture of me holding every documentation that's born with my name, and I go take that picture and then actually go over there and shake Mark Zuckerberg's hand with me taking a picture with him. Like, all right, this is I'm a real person. I'm a real boy. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm like, here's the here's the. I don't exist apparently. Uh, all right, sir. We could talk games and uh, trying to trick Facebook with your fake identity for hours and hours, but yeah. let's wrap this thing up. All right, thanks again for joining us this week, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Adios. Paint just like splash it on the screen. It's that quick, like no catalyst, no lightning storm, no nothing. It just, just blue screen. I lost you when I started recording. That's not good. You still here? <laughs> mic test, mic test.